Okay, everyone, to episode 191 of TCP here on Tactical Crouch. And we have now officially concluded play-in. So all that's left is going to be playoffs for the 2021 season. Uh, it's an exciting time, guys. We've had some more Overwatch League news for next year. I say more like it's not like the biggest news ever. Uh, so we'll get into some of that. Um, and some other cool other bits and pieces that have popped up over the last week. So should be a pretty interesting episode, guys. For sure. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting. Obviously, with uh, what you alluded to, a lot of uh, big news, big playoff implications, and uh, a weird, bittersweet feeling of uh, the end of an era, in a way. Yes. Wow. Overwatch 1's over, pretty much. For at least some people. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's really, we're, we're basically down to like the last 0.5% of Overwatch 1 competition, right? Unless we will have some other tournaments. And contenders are still running and everything, sure. Yep. But in terms of Overwatch League, this is it, right? And um, yeah. uh, the new game is 100% going to play very differently. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly, like, I wrote a script today. And I got a bit, little bit emotional about that. Because it's been five years since we started caring yeah. about this game, right? And That's why it took you 221 tries. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like you just couldn't stop crying. Like you just had 200 takes where you just, oh, I'm sorry, I've teared up again. I'm going to start again now. Just one manly tear. Yeah, because, like, I don't know if, if I can love the... If, if it keeps the same... Okay, I'm going to use a big word. Qualia. The, the, the you know, huh? the, the... Basically, like, the, the feeling the associated to... That is a philosophical concept. Like the feeling that you have associated with a sensation or an entity, right? Mm. Um, I'm not sure if 5v5 can produce that same thing for me. I'm not sure if the new heroes can produce that same thing for me or the new maps or whatever it is, or even the new engine. I have no idea, right? And what I do know is that I, for five years, even throughout the different metas, I never really stopped loving the essence of what Overwatch is. And uh, I hope that continues into the, into the new game, even though I think it's rather unlikely that I will lose that, but yeah. Right, that, that makes one of us. I do not like the way the game is fundamentally in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> I constantly complain about it. I've spoken at length on my own personal stream about it. Yeah. I've had a lot of... I spent... I had an eight-hour stream on the day that 5v5 was announced going over 5v5 and my thoughts on it and a huge amount of um just thought dumping mm. of all my opinions of like all the things in the game design of base overwatch one that i think are lacking and uh the root of some of the causes that i think are problems in this game basically i identify what i believe are, are some of the core problems in the game and then what I, where I believe they come from, as in why they exist, and named a list off a bunch of stuff in the game in terms of philosophical design, direction design, decisions that create, you know, certain mechanics of the game to be a certain way that I think is not positive for the game. So I got a lot of problems in that regard. You also brought up engine, and I'm like, hey, it's like the same, dude. You've seen the Overwatch 2 footage. It's really like, it looks so, it's like, almost identical. It looks... A little bit more polished, but the same thing. I I don't think that's not a big deal. Mm. 
Yeah, we're not talking about like we're not talking about Half Life going into Half Life Two here. It's it's weird. It's the same game. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does look a little bit more even. I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's definitely visually different, right? And I don't think that's necessarily where my excitement is tied to. I think what I really like about Overwatch is the skill set that it requires, especially from DPS players, in terms of that arcadey, like almost quakey, like type of aim mechanics and the different type of guns that you have. I enjoy when teams need to coordinate to a large degree. Um, I I felt like when I picked up this game and played Reinhardt, I couldn't believe how well uh, a melee character like Reinhardt was integrating into an FPS like that. I loved that about the game. I think still think that works to a large part in Genji. And I don't think any game has done it as well as Overwatch has in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. And then the sort of... Um, I don't know, like, the, the feeling that you get when everything is just working out well to, between two teams. I've always used the metaphor of like this beautiful dance where everything is sort of known between them. And while they are playing you against each other, it's, it's still like... It's it's more capoeira than you know MMA, mm-hmm. right? And sure. that's when when I love Overwatch when that happens, right? Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if if that's possible in uh, Overwatch Two, even though I can't foresee why that wouldn't be. But otherwise, like Blast of Five years be and better. Better. it will be much better. The less teamwork, the less of a lie the game is on teamwork, the better the game is. Trust me. Yeah, for multiple reasons. Um, sources, just trust me, bro. <laughs> As we're gonna head into our main topic for the day, uh, but before we do that, big shout out to our patrons. As always, this episode is brought to you by Battle Crab, Refined Bean, Bronze Bob Buhal, Charain, Chris R three four 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 four, Fraudino, Huntertain, Pork Shop Sammy, Cash sixty seven, Motion, Rick Zane, Volamelon, Sugar High, that's a new one, Warmer D, and Your Misery. And uh, our YouTube members as well. Thank you so much. So, okay, guys. So the big news of the week that dropped uh, after our last episode where we talked about the Dexodo article, which at the time was pretty big news. Dexodo article was very detailed in terms of some of the conversations uh, that uh, Richard Lewis had with his sources about uh, potential plans for the next season of Watch League in 2022. And then it didn't take that long where, you know, I, I don't even know what time frame it was. It felt like it was pretty recently afterwards, very soon afterwards. Uh, it would have been after, directly after the owners meeting, because it's something we talked about last week, was that we're going to have an owners meeting on the 2nd of September, which is a Thursday. Hmm. And I believe it was either the, the, the day of or the day after that meeting, uh, the news dropped from John Spector that they were going to be looking to start the Overwatch League season in 2022 in April of next year. And mm. it would be played on Overwatch 2. That bit needed a little bit of extra digging up. So you had um, Dot Esports jumping in to confirm that news. Uh, Dallas Morning News as well came in to, to drop that info. And then John Spector eventually confirmed and said, yes, that is what we're planning to do. Play on an early build of Overwatch 2. So that timeline now basically means uh, it does line up with Dexodo's article in that they were saying that it was possibly going to be a quarter two release. 
So we're talking about an early build, this quote-unquote early build of Watch 2, which I read as a potential beta, then potentially you could then reach this quarter to summer release, probably May, June. It'd be quite interesting if they released May to line up with the, um, would it be a fifth anniversary? Or sixth anniversary? With the anniversary of a Watch One's release in May, right? So if they lined it up with that, that would be pretty interesting. And so you'd end up, you start the season on beta and then you play the release of the game a month later or whatever it is. Um, and then boom, we're into Overwatch 2. It's it's getting that close. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a good thing. Um, this still kind of coincides with uh, what, or at least what I thought, um, was the kind of uh, general outlook or kind of roadmap going into next season. Uh, last show, you know, getting news on uh, where the beta's at, maybe getting open beta tests towards the end of this year um, going into into next year, maybe even beginning of next year. Um, definitely super exciting. Um, should help, um, you know, stoke the fires of, of you know, the, the general viewer base. Uh, hopefully they can be persuaded enough to maybe take a dive into the playoffs. Maybe we'll see an uptick there, but yeah, overall in general, I think it's uh, from the Dexerto article to the announcement of an actual uh, start date, uh, barring any kind of crazy complications. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty positive. All, all, all things considered. Yeah. I think generally speaking, there were a lot of good news coming out at the same time. And I don't know, we don't get that many good news in Overwatch, right? Um, and it was just overwhelmingly, I was so happy for the game and the people working it. Um, yep. So not only do we get Overwatch 2 earlier, but we also get um, the, uh, got the AMA numbers. And I got to say, whoever had the idea of the Encore stream completely nailed that one as well, right? Like in terms of the, the viewership, like I think a lot of the growth actually came from the Encore streams. Mm. Um, and of course, like, yes, we also got screen drops and everything and however many active users we actually have. Let's not make no mistake, though. Every other esports, that's the very same thing that we're doing okay. here. Possibly even um, more baity. Like, I'm thinking about, about like CSGO where you get skin drops that could theoretically net you a couple of thousands, right? Like, that just has a different draw than uh, whatever we have in Overwatch. So... No, like generally speaking, like I'm super happy about the growth of uh, of the viewership. Even though, mm, yeah, I, I the the encore stream growth actually took me by surprise a little bit. But if, even though if it shouldn't have, right? Because mm. I didn't expect the A A numbers to have increased this much, and I also don't think it is you know like the colorful reinterpretation of numbers. Like yes, they're they're um. Their stats tracking is, I think, like three days after broadcast plus one something, like with the encore stream, with the VOD views and whatever. Um, but they, if, if they kept that consistent, that also means like the the incredible effort that the production and broadcast team went through to increase the product was not in vain, right? Like the product of Overwatch itself didn't get better, but the broadcast product got better, and it was mm -hmm. apparently so good that we could have like over 70% growth based on that, right? And then, mm. like in my mind, the 
the broadcast and the production isn't additive. It is multiplicative, meaning mm -hmm. you don't add a number of viewers based on good production or talent just on top. What you're doing is you're multiplying whatever the base game's attraction is, and based on that, you increase it. And honestly, if you look at across the board what Overwatch has to offer, also, like, let's look at Platchat, which is, like, the guys there, they have a podcast that's one of the biggest in esports. Like, we have people that can entertain, right? Like, yep. we have people that uh, can create an entertaining product. They've leveled up with some sketches here and there. They've uh, adjusted the, the tournament schedule and everything. Like, all of that is strictly positive, and I love that for me personally as well, selfishly, I love that that netted uh, viewership um, increase because that's also the stuff I want to see. I want to see these tournaments, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that that seemed to also really resonate, I mean, the tournaments, once again, like highest viewership on average pretty much during all of the season, like maybe one regular season match that was an outlier might have been more than like some of the tournament matches, but overall, those were increases. And like like we said, like these these defining matches or moments within a, a season cycle that the Overwatch League needed. And yeah, I don't know. Like overall, I was super happy with the entire um, batch of information that just launched that week that um, just communicated that we, we still made a, a lot work without necessarily the game progressing. Yeah, and I think that like should speak to a lot of people. Like... What we're doing is, you know, if we're to believe the numbers, uh, what we're doing is, is working and what we're doing uh, is providing value and more people are attracted to it. Um, sizable amounts, it seems like. Um, and again, if we're to project that forward, the game isn't in a great state. Let's make, you know, let's not, you know, sugarcoat things. Um, but we have a, you know, start date for the new league. We have the much-needed shot in the arm for this game, you know, on the horizon, you know, months away. It it seems, you know, in a, in a weird way, I hate to say it, uh, an exciting time. You know, it's it's, oh, you know, it's touch time wood, to actually wood. put a smile on. Click is only have wood around and touch it. Um, as like, yeah, it's been it's been a weirdly positive week. Yeah, where and I don't even know if I agree with you, you saying like, oh, the game's not in a good state. I think. If you look at it in a vacuum and forget about the fact that we live in a world where constant content updates is mm -hmm. a thing, and it's hard to forget about that because that is like that's how things are supposed to work. Uh, the actual game of Overwatch One is very balanced and sure. yeah. never has been more balanced in the world uh, in, in this entire lifetime for a game that has forever been cr criticized for how imbalanced it's been, bad metas, goats, etc. You know, bad variety. Everyone's just playing mirror matches, mm. uh, all that kind of stuff. There has never been a better time in Overwatch's history, competitive-wise, viewership-wise, where the game is better to watch. Um, in terms of its competitiveness, with what you actually see on screen, there's not that many mirror matches. A lot of different compositions are viable. My dream of seeing different teams really dig deep into their own styles and find their own identity. And the you are you are this team that plays this thing. You are that team that plays that thing. You are good at this thing, and maybe you're not that good at a different composition. The fact that we have so many teams that are doing that and very successful, and the best teams are that. By the way, most of the best teams 
only play a, a, a small amount of compositions because that's their style mm. and they're really good at it. And then you have this difference in style between APAC and NA where APAC favors dive and NA favors brawl. Um, these are great things. And then you have this kind of interregional rivalry, which I love. That's exactly what you need in an esport. And that's to me has been, and I've said this many times previously, but one of the best moves ever was the separation of different teams in different regions. And that's created such good competition um, and, and makes the game more exciting to watch. So yeah. there's been a number of things here. I, speaking of the viewership, by the way, yeah, I, I didn't actually consider that, what you said, Jessica, in terms of like it makes all the effort put into this year's improvements on the broadcast worth it and it's bearing fruit. Um, actually, like some, for some reason, I completely missed that. I didn't even think about that, but that's incredibly true. And that's something where I feel like, you know, I'm proud to be a part of as well. And I know the people that really went in hard and to, to make the show a better, a better version of itself. Um, you know, John Spector and his team, they've done a fantastic job. And I've, I've said as much to that team, especially to John as well. So it's a great job. I, I think you still need to look at it in context of it's a good move. Now we're ready for a bigger move with the introduction of Overwatch 2. There's a lot of um, avenues here to increase viewership again and a lot of mm -hmm. interest coming back in. Um, just before the recording of this podcast day, we had, for some reason, I don't know why, but XQC decided to play Overwatch today, and he was like 90% of the entire viewership on Overwatch. So still not getting great viewership-wise as a stream. I think, you know, regularly the top streamers would only be like, like an Emong or Super on like two, somewhere between two to four K viewers. Uh, space gets a lot as well. Uh, but guys like Sleepy have gone. Uh, we've we've only ever we've only lost streamers and not gained them. But uh, you know, XQ jumps in and booms like sixty thousand viewers from one person straight away. And that's the kind of thing where I it got me thinking as well. It's like okay, with Overwatch two coming back, you can and should and will see guys like Tim the Tatman return. XQC will play it, I'm sure. Uh, he'll jump on that. Um, I'm sure there'll be a bunch of other FPS streamers and just people who just want to give it a try. Even people Seagull. who... Seagull. Seagull. Even people who maybe this isn't particularly their type of game. Our movement could come back. There's actually a lot of like big streamers who who made a name off of Overwatch that are yep. no longer mm -hmm. doing Overwatch. Um, but yeah, like, like for example, even guys like I think Summit and Shroud might even give it a go. Yeah. Who are traditionally not this isn't their type of game but if it's interesting and other people are playing it and they they might get curious yep uh and shroud has actually played some overwatch on stream and that footage exists so i mean yeah we i think we're going to get a very strong opening month just off interest alone uh this is just yes. beta so you know we're hoping for a very good look on that and there's a really good opportunity to reinvigorate the game's interest and then viewership in the league as well uh, and there's going to be a lot of people who, if they haven't caught up with the league, maybe they just watched season one or season two and they haven't been back since. I think they'd be pleasantly surprised in how good the league is in terms of viewing mm. experiences compared to then. Yes. Great. I want to say it's interesting. Maybe maybe I, I just misinterpreted what that information was, but I didn't immediately connect that everyone would be getting that, that early version or that even streamers would be able to play it. So this is my so I'll, let me let me contextualize what I mean by that is I speculate, of, I don't actually know anything, guys. I'm not yeah, hiding yeah. any secrets here. I know as much as everyone else does. Um, everyone else being the three of us. Um, I don't actually I don't actually know that. Maybe Yusuke knows a lot of things. Anyway, I don't know. Is, I don't. I, I genuinely <laughs> am not leaking. Just DM me, bro. It's fine. Um, <laughs> as well, basically what my speculation is is that. 
the pros have to scrim on something. You can't just be like, cool, April 2022 season start. Boom, here's your early access. Have fun, guys. And just wave them goodbye. Yeah. Like a fucking parent dropping off their kid at the bus stop. Um, these guys got to be scrimming on a build. They, these guys have actually got to play the build. And then I think Super brought up a really good point, which is like, you can't have a situation where, okay, maybe we get early access, like privately, but then we scrim Overwatch 2 and then what? Go home and play ranked in Overwatch 1? Like, that's not yeah. going to work. You can't have that. So if, to make this actually work, I speculate it will be me um hopefully like an early ideally january closed beta into like a at the very latest march open beta or some sort of it doesn't have to be an open open beta but some sort of beta where it's it's there's enough people in the beta even if it's closed mm. that you're gonna have a player base where you can queue and find games and hopefully like reasonable games um because let's be real blizzard needs the data I think yes. you need to be heavily stress testing this beta of Overwatch 2, not to see if your servers can handle it, but more so, yo, is does your game work on a mass scale in terms of its balance? In terms of the yeah. 5v5 experience, does it work? Is it fun? And your own internal testing can only tell you so much. You're never going to find out the real answer that the real answer to that question until the masses get their hands on it and tell you them tell you that personally. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, and I assume, look, if there's a closed beta, then the streamers will get it. Yep. Thing is... That's, that's where I'm coming from. Even, yeah, closed beta would still require, like, a selection process, like, in Overwatch 1, because you can't just only have the streamers play against each other, and you have, like, 20 people playing at the same time in the lobby, course, right? Like, yeah. you need a representative Oh, they lottery it. It's, yeah. It's a, it's, it'll be friends and family plus a lottery. It'll be like, hey, so, okay, here's your, here's your imaginary timeline. Blizzard announces, fully announces, publicly announces Overwatch 2. Because the other thing is, yeah, John Spector tweets it, Dot Esports puts it out there, and Dallas Morning News corroborates it. But 99% of people in Overwatch have no idea. Stylosa makes a video on it, his community knows about it. But there are so many people that, like, if you boot up Overwatch today, you jumped into a game, and you said, hey, you guys excited for Overwatch 2? And they're like, yeah, but that's not coming out until like 10 years. Like no one actually yeah. knows it's next year. The, the majority of people have no idea because no, they're not all just fucking following John Spector. You know, they're not all just reading Dot Esports. If you're a casual player in Silver or you only play Quick Play, you have zero clue that the game is actually coming out potentially like mid next year, quarter two next year. Um, so eventually Blizzard's going to do, they're going to have to do a very public announcement that says Overwatch 2 beta date they don't have to have a release date yet they can just say we're looking to do beta at this time sign up if you would like to join the beta and then you go into a lottery that's how all betas work so let me ask this because if we're starting the season april right i think april 22 was what hastra tweeted by the way good job like if you're i don't know if that implies that dallas is once again hosting the opening games fair enough but april 22 is i assume when when the opening day is, or at least a play day is uh, for yeah. the Overwatch League. Um, could also be a second week, to be fair. We don't know if that's the opening. But we know that it's April. When do you need Overwatch beta to be accessible to whoever is capable of playing in the Overwatch League? I mean, as early as possible, December? ideally, but... December? Like, like a, month, a month after the Overwatch League season ends? Not before the Overwatch League season ends, because I think, you know, yeah. you don't want a situation where, like, everyone's fucking playing Overwatch 2 now instead of practicing Overwatch yeah. 1. 
Um, as soon as as soon as you drop access to Overwatch two, no one will care about Overwatch one anymore. Immediately. And here's the problem: um, I don't see that. What I see is, I think it's going to be around BlizzCon line, which was, I I believe February. November. February oh, this year. I think. That's too late. I think yes. that's too late. It, it feels so late, right? So, but I, I think they should do. I the oh this sucks. What they need to do timeline wise is put BlizzCon back in November, then do a December beta. I mean that timeline would be perfect. Mm. Like the February thing, that's too late, man. Like what you're gonna do it after in February? I I just said you would need like a, an almost open beta by March because you need people to get like you need to be able to. I don't know about playing ranked in Overwatch two, but you need to be able mm. to match make Overwatch two. And practice on it. Um, Look, I don't. I think, considering like it's a floated move, I'm not leaking. I'm just saying it would make a lot of sense if the PvP portion was going to be um, free anyway, free to play. Mm -hmm. And then it. I think it's highly likely it'll be free. It it, it almost doesn't matter when you uh, th that you giving out licenses to play people, right? Um, because it it can feel like sort of. Oh, I'm getting a close beta client to a game that will later be played. That felt a little iffy to me in uh, when when I got a close beta access, right? Um, and it's not tied to your you pre-order or whatever. Um, well, it's oh, you mean like you got you got given like for Overwatch one? Yeah. You play beta, but then you still have to buy Overwatch one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, it's of course like I, I expected to do that. It's just a weird mm. practice, especially if you have an open beta and. Like, we know the PvP portion will be free for everyone that has Overwatch 1. But even that seems prohibitive. It's going to be free it's, for everyone. It's got to be. See this game. I cannot see this game being paid for PvP. It has to be full free-to-play. Yeah. It must be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, we've, we've, heard, we've heard rumblings and rumors about Overwatch 1 going free-to-play. Uh, but mm. it never ended yeah. up happening. And I think they're waiting for Overwatch 2. The clear, the clear solution is like, well, yeah, whatever. I guess we wait for Overwatch 2 and just make that free to play instead. Yeah. Um, I can tell you a gonna, lot of teams would love that. If you're gonna open the floodgates and, and invite people back to Overwatch, you might as well do it on your new game. Yeah. Instead of doing it on on this game here. Sure. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I think February would be late. I, I think they need to get things. Going. The only difficulty here is, and now this is the one counterpoint, and this is where. I'm sure Team Four, uh, just shaking their heads, rolling their eyes at the notion of doing a beta as early as December, January, or maybe even February, because we don't know how far along five v five is. We don't know right. how far along development really is, because there was this other counter notion. There was this kind of um. There's some merit to this part of the discussion, this angle, but it's also kind of in my opinion, a little bit stupid as well, and explain both sides, is that there is sort of a counter notion that's like, oh, what if they're releasing like a unfinished game? Yeah. What if this is like another cyberpunk kind of deal? Which I that that's a little extreme. That's getting it's getting a little bit hyperbolic there. But I mean there is a part of me that also does want to like, yeah, maybe maybe they are having to rush it. Because the mm. the it, it's pretty clear that they feature locked. Um you have to feature lock to get a to get a release date out there. Yeah. And now it's about getting getting something available now sure the game doesn't release until quarter two that's the the date or maybe even later than that depending if there could be delays but we're talking about 
some version of the game being available at minimum by April. So that's a hard date that's been set in stone. We're working around that as a fact right now. And if you roll backwards from that, then you start unveiling the fact that, well, the pros are going to have to get it earlier. And if the pros are getting it, then ideally other people are, you know, if we're watching, if you watch Overwatch 2, at minimum, here's what I think, at minimum, people will be able to access the beta by the time Overwatch League is playing on that client, on that beta. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is, as I think it would be a little, it'll be a little messed up if you could watch Overwatch 2 through Overwatch League, but you could still not play it yourself. Because one of the incentives, one of the driving factors for that yeah. will be Overwatch League in 2022 on the Overwatch 2 client, beta, whatever you want to call it, early access, um, that is like also a marketing tool for the game as well. And if you're not using that to drive people to then, you know, get their hands on Overwatch 2, you're, you're, you're probably shooting yourself in the foot. So uh, yeah, I, I see it as at the very latest, the public should be able to start getting their hands on when Overwatch 2 is live on Overwatch League. The thing is, what I'm a little curious about is like, I mean, wording is often chosen very deliberately, right? So mm-hmm. I believe, and I don't want to misquote, I also don't, can't, probably can't find the, the quote uh, as quickly. Um, begin on an early build of Overwatch 2. What does that imply? Does it imply we, don't, we only get PvP? Does that imply we don't get all the heroes? Not all the maps? Not all it's game modes? It's intentionally vague. Yeah. It's intentionally vague. You can't write PvP. You cannot write beta. You cannot write use, use any of that terminology because it locks you in. Yeah. It is intentionally as vague as possible to cover the most bases possible so that when the time comes, they can say, yes, it's only this. Here's the whole pie. We get this, this slice right here. And that's, that was what we meant by our early build. Because early build could be anything. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like, trying to derive meaning from that wording is probably not going to be fruitful in, in terms of uh, what it implies. But um, I wonder if there's some incentive to not make it too crazy different in terms of, like, you already got the 5v5. You probably also already got the push. Um, so are you going to introduce all the heroes as well? I mean, I think there is some notion of like saving a little bit for, you know, release giving, you know, no, because for competitive integrity, no, and this is, this is now we get into the whole can of worms. Like, yeah, but does team four care about that? Uh, well, clearly there's enough push and there's a clearly enough like discussion to, to even, have Team Four agreed to putting out a game or some version of the game for pros by April? Like I, that to me was like a shock to the system. Sure. Because in my, I think you yes could probably agree here, but it's just like to get Team Four to move in that kind of way is like whoa. I would have imagined that Overwatch League would take second priority to to all of this. Would be you know the, whatever Team Four wants to do is first priority, and Overwatch League just has to follow that. But this to me felt more like Team Four had to maybe potentially compromised a little bit to fucking do a solid to the Overwatch League, which was such a major surprise because I never thought that would ever happen. Mm. To be fair, it's not... It feels like that's not Team 4's favorite child. You know? What I'm... Like, yeah, I don't think they, they care or... Like, their success of this game will won't necessarily 
be around like whether or not the PvP lands exactly correctly. Because like and people disagree with me with me. Like I, I think a lot of people had heated debates with me, but I think PV, PvE will be astronomically more important to Overwatch mm -hmm. going forward. Much like uh, the difference between, um, let's say, WoW Arena and WoW Raiding or Progression or like all the e PvE content there, right? I think that's, that's also a role which we need to get comfortable in, which is being the stepchild. We are now under the uh, proverbial, you know, stairs in our little mm -hmm. cabin there. Um, and we pretty much have to make do with whatever we're getting. Hopefully, like you're overriding PVE. Ah, here we go. We, we found we found one of the vocal opponents, right? I, I, I love how we're I, all just different shades of like a similar opinion. I mean, you do look I like Harry Potter a little bit, what, but yeah. I don't know what arguments people you've talked to with others, other people, uh, in terms of in terms of this, because in my mind, it's pretty clear. Like for PVE to overshadow PVP. It would need to be like one of the biggest PVE games in the world. We're talking like World of Warcraft big in its heyday. We're talking like, you know, at, at minimum, mm -hmm. here's your minimum bar here. It would have to be at minimum Destiny 2 big PVE. I mean, A, I do believe that's true. And B, I think we will siphon off a gigantic amount of PVP players. Everyone that plays quick play, I think ninety percent of the people that play quick play will yeah. go over to PVE. I, Maybe again, 80%. I think you're overriding PVE. I don't know. I don't know what you think the PVE playing experience is, but you're not gonna get. I don't think you're gonna get the same quality of game uh, and replayability of the game as you will in the PVP. The biggest games in the world are PVP, League of Legends, Fortnite. You know. Even Apex, you know, we're talking about games that are specifically PvP. Like PVE games are so tiny in the market compared to PvP. I games. feel like that's completely different. I feel like the like these games you mentioned dwarf are dwarfed by like Minecraft or whatever, you know, yeah. like or we're like all the phone Minecraft. games it's or not whatever. A sandbox game mm -hmm. though, it's not a sandbox game though. Like, yeah, I think okay, it, it, sure you want to talk about a phone game? Yeah, okay, Overwatch Two Mobile. Then sure, I'll give you that. But we're talking about just the base game here. We're not talking about a mobile version. And more than those mobile people aren't aren't, aren't suddenly buying a computer for Overwatch too. More more they than anything, so. we're playing also playing a Blizzard game, a, a game a, a company that notoriously like loves the PVE has a lot of had a lot of success yeah. in PVE, and I don't know. And also, let's not forget what this this game even came up from. We we were built from the carcass of Titan. Right. That's cool. But again, acknowledge that this game would have to be bigger than WoW. The PvE yeah, would be bigger I than WoW. Yeah, I think so. To eclipse the PvP side. I think so. The entire so. game Overwatch in its entire history has been PvP. PvP is, and probably will always be, pertaining to the largest player base. You know why? Because you don't need, to, you know what one of the weaknesses of games like Destiny 2 and World of Warcraft is? PvE is finite. It is not as replayable as PvP. You have to keep pushing out monstrous amount of content to keep people interested in pve and there are a bunch of no lifers out there i've been one of them yeah that will demolish your pve content boom like that instantly um you cannot keep them interested i'm sorry but it, I'm not it depends on the, the gameplay cycle thousands of times there's 
No game has figured this out. You're talking about something that's never been done before. PvP is is and will always be the most replayable, and so we'll always have the biggest player base. And that's been true across all of gaming. I'm not looking at in a microcosm or in some vacuum. I, I'm looking at all of games that has ever existed. I'm telling you, PvP is cannot be challenged. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I feel like casual gaming is casual gaming even like is dominated by PvE games. Like yeah, oh, 100%. like basically I don't know what the what the audience is, for instance, in, in play share on consoles, but I would be shocked if more than twenty percent even have access to PvP and pay for that service, right? I think the vast majority of um of gameplay, generally speaking, and the problem is it's a definition-based issue because, like, I could basically, like, win the argument by saying, well, Candy Crush, bro. And, like, th those numbers, which are disingenuous, would just, like... It's not right. a mobile game, though. You, if right. you want a, a mobile market, then let's talk about Overwatch 2 Mobile, and then we're on the same page. But those Candy Crush people aren't coming out of Overwatch 2. Yeah, They're but not buying a computer to play this game. I'm also talking about, like, you know, the... The, all the casual, like, the God of Wars, the Red Dead the Redemptions, the G GTAs, the, hmm? you know, these types of uh, gameplay experiences. You know how big the GTA is? You would need, you would need a game. You, Overwatch 2 PvP would have to be GTA level then. That's See. just not the... That's I not don't possible. think it's that far off. It is. Um, okay. And we'll here's see. the smoking gun. Here's the smoking gun as well. Uh, this is where I fucking got you guys. Is well, you got me. PvE is paid. PvP is free. Boom. I'm out of here. Yeah, no, Man, that that crazy. is a viable. <laughs> no, that's a viable. That's a big like. I mean, yeah, that's that's a big game changer. But and Eric sure. kindly just linked us like top uh, games based on revenue. He actually turned off his camera. <laughs> Did do I have to I win? I fucking win. No, that's not a, like. Yeah, I don't know. People I, I, pay for Pokemon every year. People yeah. pay for all the Mario games and the Call of Duty. Boy, I yeah. don't know, the man. Free to play it's crazy. Is, is like, it's like the fucking... That's, yeah, that's I, get, I get... I hear you. Paid to play. I don't think people Eric. want to play Overwatch against other people. Oh, they the play phone, against dude. Wait. Like, okay, there's... On this list, right? Just, just a little... How is Space Invaders on, like, six? I don't understand. What is this? Yeah. By That's total weird. revenue. Oh, ever? Oh. Again? Right, okay. Street Fighters up there. What of Warcraft? They're not even that high. Anyway. anyway. Uh, like, anyway. the point is, I think, um, I think PvE, we, we will very soon become stepchild. Especially if they, if they find a way to monetize, like, the updates... Let's say like Destiny Two with expansion DLCs, mm -hmm. blah blah blah. I think we very very quickly become second fiddle uh, I behind. I think you've not played enough Destiny Two. You don't understand how difficult it is for games like that to survive and retain a player base off PVE. And that is a game where PVE specifically is the main focus and not the PVP. PVP that that is the perfect example of a game where PVP is the tacked on thing. Here, PVE is the tacked on thing to the PVP, which exists first, has existed first for five, about five years now. And it's the free part of the game. But the have you played Quick Play, bro? Like, nobody, they, like, I feel like when they, I play Quick Play. We'll play Quick Play in Overwatch 2. Why do you think they'll suddenly go to PVE? 
Because none of these people that play quick play or like 90% have a competitive bone in their body. They like playing oh. the Overwatch characters. And they yeah. continue playing quick play. Why are you no. acting like you no. just play quick play in Overwatch 2? Yeah, no. <laughs> have to agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I feel like we're, we're losing a lot of PvP players, which isn't, isn't a problem. That's um, not a bad thing. No. 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 I, that's not happening. 100% not happening. Um, I... Yeah, so it's it's not about it's it's about the the gameplay loop and the replayability. That is the ultimate, that is the ultimate checkmate at the end of the day. And PVE can never give you that satisfaction in gameplay replayability and gameplay loop. In fact, it, the it, the hardcore PVEs might play the PVE, but you'll see the same problems every single PVE game. They'll get bored, they'll leave. PVP will continue keeping interest like infinitely. That's the whole. That's the beauty of PVP. Um. So now that we have this extremely long back and forth <laughs> on that, which is like, again, not even, I don't even know if it's really. Oh, the comments on this one are going to be spicy. I already know. Uh, I'm sure, but the, the people who disagree with me, I just won't be researched enough. Um, <laughs> so, um, which is true for every argument I have with anybody about anything. Uh, simply anybody that argues against me hasn't done their research. Um, Fair. So yeah, um, Joe Rogan agrees with me. So that's that's the only thing that matters. There you go. As we get towards what is the next what is the next thing I want to talk about here? So I don't know. Uh, well, well, let's let's have, talk one last thing about the Overwatch Two stuff in, in regards to Overwatch League. Make sure that this part of the discussion is actually relevant to the Overwatch League, right? As where we're looking at now, like okay, well, what does this mean for teams in terms of, um how they do their rosters for next hour what is what okay if you are a team that's been eliminated or about to finish the overwatch league so really it's any team mm. what do you do now as you move forward what's the game plan as you prepare for overwatch 2 in april next year for Overwatch League 2022 in, in a speculatory way if i'm understanding the question um you keep one person maybe two players maybe a coach if you really like them and you fire everybody else we don't know what the game's going to be like. Uh, we don't have much to do for the next number of months. Um, yeah, not much to do, really. I, I like Florida's approach of trying to get ahead of the curve with uh, streamers and whatnot, but uh, is that even really going to pay off? I don't know. It's, I don't know. There's There's really not much to do, I would say. I think there's... You, you can come up with creative solutions, right? Okay. Um, so we still uh, will have a six-month off-season. So you still got to bridge that somehow. We have the problem that we don't know if these people will hold up. We don't know when we will get the game to verify if they, these things hold up. Correct. Um, so what do you do? Well, you could gamble and think that some of your good players will transition well. And I think mm -hmm. some players are better gambles than others. So I, I talked about it before, but like in my mind, if I have profit, I'm keeping him. Kevsta keeping him. Pelican keeping him. Uh, if I have the rights or the possibility to pick up a Predator, keeping proper, sign that kid. Um, you know, these, you get the, the idea. Like DPS players are highly flexible. DPS are going to be very important in, in Overwatch 2, mm -hmm. as I perceive it. About tank players, bro, Link I don't know. 
I don't know about tank players. I would maybe gamble on Voids. I would gamble on, like, Fearless, wanna, maybe. And even wanna, there, wanna, I don't know. I would gamble name? on Fate. Yeah, go on. Joe, Joe gambles on Marvel, who's played everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put my money on Marvel. <sighs> yeah, and then you have a... <laughs> Then you have an average player. Okay. <laughs> I baited we'll Joe in. Like, exactly. I baited him we'll with it. He's like, you know what? He, he got baited by the, oh my God, but he has played Sigma. <laughs> yeah. Was it bad? No, but the, the thing oh. is, like, I'm not sure if, if, if it necessarily means that Void wouldn't be able no, to. Of course, yeah. 100%. But. One's tested, the other one we assume would be good. Which I is a really, I really want to sell Joe a bridge. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'd love I to really buy. Want to sell <laughs> Just some bridge, um, uh, bridge by a fallen mail over here. <laughs> I mean, that bridge has also played Sigma. <laughs> yep, and Arissa and Monkey and Wrecking Ball. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh god! Now that, that would be I'd love to just, hear some arguments that were just laughing. It's just so underwhelming you to a player. Sure. Bro, you, didn't give me, you didn't give me any arguments when I was talking about PvP versus PvE. You just said agree to disagree. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> right, like, because we're not going you, anywhere. We have other topics to get to, so let's get to them. <laughs> oh, there we go. So, uh, no, I, I agree. I, I, think good. Yes, I, don't, I don't think he's a particularly good player. This is, he's very uninspiring. Now, if okay. you just want a journeyman, like here, Joe, let me, I'll throw you a bone here. Okay. If you, if you want a journeyman tank player, then maybe Marvel is your guy. But I'm pretty certain guys like Void could pick up a bunch of the other tanks. Fuck it. Void on Ryan. Void on Ryan 2.0 with his two fire strikes and a charge that you can yeah. stop anytime you want. You yeah. know, I'm sure, sure someone like Void be like pound on that kind of hero. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not even sure what the compositions like. What kind of a team you want? How many tanks do you want? So two DPS, one tank, two support. That's the composition. No, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> but do I want two tanks then, in order to uh, cover the entire hero pool, and then hope that the the overlap and how the meta develops doesn't mean that my player is incompatible? Oh, I, I don't know. Like, dude, th there's no way for a GM to make sound decisions. Can like, I can I sell you a dream? What? Is that in Overwatch 2, maybe we could find the leave of tank players. And what I mean by that is you have your one dream tank player that plays the entire pool, and he's just excellent across the board. Oh, please give ideal. that to yeah. me. Who's the closest in Overwatch history? Overwatch no 1 history to that? Because you don't, you don't have enough. Yeah. Tanks have never needed to show flexibility, and so we've never seen that. We've never had to see that. You've it, never had one player that crosses seamlessly between off tank and main tank that's that is never and it looked good it looked to good exist. yeah it's never because looking exist. good is important yeah is yeah really i mean it is true everyone thinks oh yeah you know we, we're gonna have two tank players and swap between main tank off tank or you can just have one god play everything yeah because I, you know what dps has already fucking do that yeah yeah to be fair what is most likely going to happen is a bunch of tanks will just not be playable like like they aren't really playable bastion compositions sure, as much, yeah, right? Of like you will, you, you will have. There's a concept in German called Mut zur Lücke, which basically means like you pr practice or like study for exams with the assumption that you're not just not going to study that part of those uh, the the uh, stuff that you got to learn, 
and then hope mm-hmm. that it d- doesn't come up. And I think that will happen a lot in uh, in terms of like even if you have one super tank, you better hope like is Roadhog going to be a tank? The soul tank it seems seems like conceptually at this point where I'm standing right now, Roadhog is a dead ass character. Um, unless they have s- super big we'll like see. reworks and whatever, yeah. right? Um, so maybe not being exceptional at that one, it won't hurt, right? right? Um, by the way, you know who, what really is a good shout? I actually have the best answer. You ready? Best answer? Okay. Super. Because he plays Roadhog? I like because he, pl- was a, he got into the Overwatch League as an off-tank. Huh. Um, I have a Diva term either. as well. So there's this other German term. Mm-hmm. Uh, they describe the situation as well called qualia. And, uh, okay, but um, there we go. Um, how does this affect players? With, I mean, this is this is really speculatory, and we I don't think anyone has the answer to this yet. I'm sure this is something that the GMs have to start thinking really hard about. But like, despairing, very hard about, yeah. There, there is. Oh, I don't even know. Like in terms of like contracts and stuff like that and how yeah. you sign people yeah. uh, and you know, the one plus ones that exist and yeah. signing new people. I mean, I'm sure what is it? The whole thing, October is the new signing period. Yeah. So, um, but you're signing people to a game that you haven't even played yet. It's kind of whack. It's kind of, maybe they need to, maybe they need to reassess that signing period and have it to be yeah. sometime next year. I don't know. E- either there's a s- solution from the league that covers all the players, or I have to assume a lot of players are going to be unemployed uh, once their contracts run out this season. Because rationally, there is no reason for 80% of the Overwatch League to be kept, including coaches. Right? Because I don't know what the game is like. You know how big the difference between 1.6 and Source was? And we're moving way beyond whatever that change was, difference was, right? Like, we're changing the amount of people that we play with, for instance, right? Can I just say one thing? COD does this every single year. Yeah, and they artificially keep, like, the, the fat 2 million follower dudes in the league by being, by choosing the worst, like, competitive platform in terms of sticking to console, having all these artificial things in place in order to keep their hype going. Like... To be fair, some of the players do transition well between games. Yes. You do have a thing where like some pros who were very good in the last game weren't good in the next game. Yeah. They had the whole 5v5 into 4v4 thing as well. They played so many different versions of COD. If you actually think about it, there have been versions of COD sure. that have been close to Overwatch and there's versions of COD that are like mm. they feel like a completely different game. Like we had a COD, I think Black Ops 4 literally had ultimates and you had to like push a button to self-heal and then you've had CODs where you could run on walls and have jetpacks and then tie CODs which World War 2 and you have absolutely zero of anything um so i don't know also, i just brought that up it's like it's like expecting players to transition and how teams go through transition in different games and whatever i think the best thing you can do if you want longevity at the top is just have a really shit tier two system <laughs> so no no other developmental talent comes after it right and yeah. to my to my knowledge there is nothing like even close to contenders in cod right so uh, they have challenges. They have called challenges. Yeah, they they have an amateur. Is it? Is they, it? They a, I don't know how big it is, but it exists. Yeah, I mean, and not close to like the League of Legends uh, 
Turkish scenes or whatever, and like the secondary sure. leagues behind it, like um, in in other esports, like open circuits are much more permeable to new talent as well, right? Like um, CS, for instance, like there you don't really have gatekeepers. If you want, you sit down with your five buddies and become the best team in the world without ever requiring invites or anyone to tell you that you're now the best team in the world or you're allowed to join the league. So mm. it's fundamentally a different um, environment. Should we get into a really quick discussion on tier two? So there's a there's a thing that did come up very recently as well. So tier two is going to be an interesting discussion moving forward. Uh, first of all, I I think them from what I've seen, and maybe I haven't fully looked uh, super far, but I enjoy European League of Legends tier two system, the LEC. So no, sorry. LEC is obviously the main product. Everything else is below that. Europe Masters and all that. Mm-hmm. Is they actually have a national league going on for most of their, you know, quote unquote tier two stuff. So let's say you play in the national French league, and then from there you play European Masters, and then from European Masters you go to LEC. That seems to be their line of progression, um, and it's very self-contained and very feasible. And it seems like it's. Um, it works, uh, and yeah, it's, it's it seems pretty healthy to me. I mean, I haven't looked super deep into it. Maybe it's just like from the outside, um, but Tier Two in Overwatch has actually just had an announcement recently, where the Overwatch Path to Pro Twitter made an announcement for Overwatch Collegiate. Now, Collegiate has been a thing before, so this is like some really new thing. Like, what do you mean? Like, we've had Collegiate. They are doing like a pro, like a some sort of it's called Overwatch Collegiate Homecoming 2021 and open tournament for students in US and Canada. Um, I haven't I'm just looking over some of the details about it. This is like a two month open tournament season where students of all school levels from will form teams representing their schools. US $27,600 in prizes on the line. And then you get to play in the, hang on. And then be on the lookout for future announcements regarding the details of our annual spring Overwatch Collegiate Championship. So Collegiate seems to be getting a little bit more of a boost and a little bit more of attention as like another pathway in tier two. So it's not just about contenders. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. Like you said, we've obviously had Collegiate before and talk about Stepchild. Uh, it was kind of shoved to the uh, the depths of Twitch and uh, YouTube, wherever it was. Um, I have pretty strong opinions on Collegiate. Most of them are positive, but need way too much time to actually uh, see the light of day. Um, I think this is probably the eventual landing ground for a lot of amateur esports before you get into the pro league you probably play through a collegiate system of some kind um within the next i'd guess five years um and i think this is the start or possible start of a push uh in that direction um maybe merging or not merging but um adjacent having adjacent kind of competition with contenders or, or maybe having uh, certain collegiate teams seed into contenders. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where it goes. Uh, I, I think that collegiate esports is definitely um, uh, an unproven 
testing ground for a lot of talent. Um, but yeah, a general, I'd say positive uh, outlook on this. What'd you say? Did you, did you say unproven? Unproven? Yeah, I'd say so. Pretty unproven across the board in terms of all esports ever. Unproven. I think collegiate is like the way to go. I know it's a very NA thing. It's a very like United yeah. States, Canada thing. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. It's specifically just for United States, Canada. Yeah. There's a couple of things. A, it works in traditional sports in the United States. Um, Correct. B, um, I am a big supporter of getting an education. If you want to, if you want to pursue esports, you should never give up on an education. You don't want to, no one should ever drop out of school to try and pursue esports um unless you're like literally being handed a, a like a crap load yeah. of money and it's it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity and like this is really good um if you're doing it off a punt off like just like oh just give it a go like you actually have no real plan and when i say plan you could even plan like oh i plan to succeed no like you it, unless you have a contract in front of you that has a dollar amount on it and it's a good it's a good amount that's worth leaving school for like you should not leave school so people who are just grinding tier two in any game to people who are just grinding like any game at any level that's not like the absolute top and you're and you're doing that instead of going to school and you're a young person maybe you're under 18 it's a bad move you and, and for a lot of those people they feel like they'd rather put their time into the esports dream but like most people don't make it the vast majority of people don't make it and then you're older now and then you've you've missed your opportunity to finish school um maybe you can still catch up but like you've you've kind of you're you're behind at this stage you've kind of screwing your own life in that, in that regard so a lot of people have, have looked at um and sometimes sometimes this discussion comes up when we look at young players in the overwatch league um especially like really young players that never got to go to the overwatch league because they're just too young and they're very good and all they can do is play in tier two and people are like oh man like you know why is the overwatch league 18 plus why can't it be younger so these younger people can play in the overwatch league i'm like you really want people to leave school to play in the Overwatch League or any esport? No, yeah. like what the hell? No, if Talk anything, it should it. be older. Than, I I wouldn't mind if it was nineteen. I don't. I think it's fine that it's eighteen. I'm not. I'm not trying to propose that it should instead be nineteen. I'm just saying, mm. like, I I would prefer a game to have a sort of minimum age there that is probably and hopefully above a high school age, so that at the very minimum players have finished high school before they're coming into a professional sport a professional esport like this because like I, I would not ever want to encourage somebody to focus on this instead of finishing their damn school um i think the risk is too great the risk of failure in esports and the longevity of esports is just not there the safety isn't there to give up your like potential future livelihood on a gamble is just stupid to me yeah and let's not forget like Failing to make it in esports also doesn't have the same reputational benefit that it might have, like being one of the yeah. on your college. Like if you if you made your college uh, football team, my my understanding is like you can probably walk into a I don't know car dealership and get a get a job there just based on like oh you played for that team and you did pretty well okay then uh, you know like a reputation. Nobody's given right. a nerd like. Um, a yeah, job because he job. he almost yeah. beat bridge hurricane right that's not happening um so the the only other thing and once again like this is probably i, I gotta shoot it to joe i'm not sure if you know more about this but the only thing i'm concerned about is uh the ncaa there and them getting their hands on on that because i think like not only should these 
guys um, have the possibility to have a scholarship through this and everything. But also, mm -hmm. like, if this actually blows up, they also deserve to have uh, the, the monetary benefits of that, right? Right, so, and I believe that has remedied, from my understanding. I won't claim to be any kind of... I don't follow college sports. I don't follow sports, most sports in general. Um, but from my understanding, the NCAA has lifted uh, some restrictions. I won't comment on how many, but I think they've, they've started to ease off the players and, and allowing them to, you know, pursue sponsorship deals um, and things of that nature. So I, I wouldn't be too concerned about the NCAA too early. Um, so much as that, I think it's just getting a lot of people on board, a lot of schools on board and um, kind of proving that this is going to be a, a, a solid launching point for careers in the future. Um, there's obviously a lot of benefit, you know, education is, I 100% agree with Avril, like it is, it is worth its weight. Um, but there's also a lot of social skills that uh, a lot of kids coming into esports just don't have. Um, and that I think you do build up. I think you do build up a sense of discipline in some sense, um, big and small. Yeah. It's, a, it's a sliding scale. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, tangential skills that you, you get going to school too. So. So this is why collegiate is good because you can yep. do both with with yep. less risk you can play an esport while getting an education and maybe you could even get a scholarship because I, I knew of a player in in that was floating around tier two who had been offered mm -hmm. um a scholarship at an american university this is this is an oceanic player actually he's an australian player mm -hmm. actually got offered that opportunity to fly over to wow. way over in, in the united states on a scholarship to to go to college in america i'm like dude that's that's fucking incredible like hell yes like that's so good they couldn't do that because of covid reasons and this mm. is pre-covid for what what it's worth they would have done it but covid ruined the opportunity Sucks. um but um but yeah like like that's great like to me as a tier two player like that's the dream i think collegiate's the future like my yeah. dream tier two scenario is an academy league where like uh contenders just becomes an academy league or like it's replaced by an academy league where um all the the legally the, these well, not legal legends well yeah yeah it's kind of based on legal legends in a way but it's more like um yeah the league teams have academy teams uh that also serve as their bench and they play an academy league team and that they play in like yeah an academy league and that's their quote unquote tier two that again either replaces contenders or contenders becomes that and then you mm -hmm. have collegiate on the side and then you have just all third party tournaments and that's it uh, it would be so perfect. I think in most esports, at heart. least in the West, I think I think following the EU Masters, like you mentioned, um, for Europe is probably a great uh, supplement for any kind of collegiate esports. Um, and this again, this what I'm what I'm talking about here is is game non-descriptive. Like for any game ever to come in the future, I think your tier two division. Um, for North America is probably situated very comfortably in collegiate esports. Um, for Europe, it's probably situated very comfortably in some sort of regional, maybe even as granular as country-specific leagues that feed into so. some greater tournament. Yeah, I think this is think this so. isn't just Overwatch. It's not just league. It's everything. But moving yeah. forward, that's that's the way. I think you should have your own, like you know, using U Masters as an example. You have your own French <laughs> league, your own Spanish league. Yeah. 
I, well, maybe, okay, maybe not league, but you know what I mean. You're in like yeah, competition, you're 100%. in domestic competition, you move forward. Yeah, I, I yeah. So and hopefully that with with a boost in attention Overwatch two and everything together, uh, we'll see. Because people were asking as well, like you know, with the whole Overwatch League situation, and then Overwatch two coming out, and then people were like, well, what about it for contenders? What about tier two? And that's a question that does not have an answer to. I don't expect yeah. it to be an easy answer to that. I expect that it should just follow suit with Overwatch League in some way. Um, I don't think contenders or tier two is going to get special access to Overwatch two, at least not initially. The first yeah. wave will most likely just be the Overwatch League and their franchises, and then beyond that, maybe there's a world where contenders players could have preferential priority to to get access to a closed or open, not an open, but a closed beta, and then an open beta. Obviously, everyone can just play, and mm. then maybe contenders or tier two can start shifting towards beta type competition that's kind of the pathway i see but it's uh it'll take a backseat as per usual i think at the Same. very least if that's not how it works then overwatch league teams need to be given an, an a significant amount of accounts that they can hand out to people to start playing on it yes you can vet them whatever but like mm-hmm. let's say 30 accounts per team to just oh. like get get you know de- de- developmental yeah so you're, you're worried about the bottom teams i'm i got to hit them all up like hey can i have one of your 30 <laughs> accounts i mean we we did see you at uh, talent takedown so i don't think you will get one of your ability no, to play the game on, come on. so well what are you talking about he's probably the best player on that team come on you just said you just said this game caters to casuals hello I'm your, I'm, uh, your, I'm, your, I'm your prime audience. I'm literally a player. I represent your average player in this game. Hello? You could not, you could not get a better player. You could not get a better example of someone to play this game. Right? Come on, Jesus Christ. I think all it implies is that you're a sweaty blood, blood player. <laughs> it's probably not better. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's... I don't think there's too much to go into on tier 2. I think Collegiate is great. We'll agree Collegiate mm-hmm. is great, I think. Uh, and we'll see what happens with tier two, which will eventually follow suit with Overwatch League. As I'm sure it'll all get worked out as the slow trickle in of players joining. And yes, and the only other concern about Overwatch Two is is the game going to be ready? Uh, what is what is the early what is the early access game going to look like? Is it going to be? Po- I don't want to use the word polished because betas are not meant to be polished, but there's going to be a a reasonable amount of people, or probably actually going to be an unreasonable amount of people who look at beta. And then use that as a, as yes. like a judgment of what Overwatch Two actually is. They'll play it and be like, "Oh, Overwatch Two is so bad. It's so unbalanced. Whatever." It's like, "Bro, this is beta." But no one, no one knows that. Yeah. The problem I have with gamers, and this is this is why, by the way, developers are never open. Developers are always very closed. They don't announce things. They don't communicate as often. It's because gamers are unreasonable. People mm-hmm. are unfucking reasonable. And they do not know what the word beta means. They don't know what the word alpha means. They don't know what the word early access means. They don't know what the words um, development, client, whatever means. You still get people to this day that grab footage from like E3 and Cyberpunk. They're mm. like, oh, look at this. This they, is not the same. They lied to us. They lied yeah. to us. They didn't do this way. Bro, it says in the fucking watermark, this is not a representation of the final product. Can you read? No, people can't read. They cannot use their brains. This is this is why we can't have nice things because people don't have brains. So, 
yeah, and this is why this is why devs don't communicate more. Um, no further comment. As okay. we move into actual obviously discussion. So again, same as what we said in a previous episode. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before that. But um, if you're if you're here for the actual discussion about the plans that happen, welcome to TCP episode one hundred ninety-one. Uh, for those that forgot to click on the timestamp to fast forward here, um, bless you, Lamal, and also welcome. Uh, you've learned your lesson now. And for the people that uh, actually did enjoy our previous discussion, thank you. But now here we go. So play-ins happened, obviously, and. Two more teams got knocked out. Oh no, sorry. Four, no, six more teams got knocked out. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, my brain is. I'm, I'm brain fighting right now. There's a lot of teams that got knocked out recently. So uh, another four teams from the NA side, from the Western side, got knocked out. Two more teams from the Eastern Division got knocked out. Three teams in total qualified through, and we had some really interesting games. As always, start on the NA side of things before we get into some of the juicy details in APAC and another announcement towards the end. Um. Why don't we begin on the top side of the bracket here? Well, we'll do back-to-back Washington discussions. So Washington-Paris, Washington-Houston. Uh, let's start with Washington-Paris first, and then, and then slowly drift into Washington-Houston uh, in, in Washington's line of progression as they made it into playoffs. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, this is a big L for me. Um and we'll get into bigger L's. Um, I did not expect much to uh, the chagrin of maybe some uh, some of the co-hosts here um, that, that Justice was going to be able to piece it together. Um, and they looked pretty all right. It, dare I say good Paris. versus Paris. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I was very much the opposite direction on the way that it actually turned out. I had Paris yes, going. Who did you pred? I pred Washington, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I did as well, yeah. Shame on you, Joe. Okay, continue. How, how do you feel uh, now? Um, not too bad, but we'll get to that. Um, I think all in all, I think Justice finally went the direction I thought they were always meant to go, um, kind of becoming the uh, the worst version of Dallas. Um, Paris, on the other hand, as, as general and hand-wavy as this is going to sound, it did feel like they showed up fairly lethargic. Um, I was not all that impressed with uh, some of their their sim TP plays, um, not necessarily clearing all the angles that they possibly could. Um, playing a little too far forward, Naga specifically kind of jumped out at me, um, and, and never never really having like clean pre fights. Like they they line up to try and have a fight, and somebody's always dying somewhere to something. It was never really. Um, a, a pattern of who or how, but somehow Paris is always losing people uh, as they, they kind of position for these fights. And it just made their initial kind of thrust in just, just really, really lackluster. Um, is it because they didn't and, click the heads of the other team as much as Washington clicked their heads? Um, a little bit. Uh, no, it, it really came down to, I think, positioning, if anything. Um, and yeah, it was pretty pretty bad because i hate to use this line of like analysis because i think it is quite lazy but when i watched this game part of me did also just feel like man i think washington is just the much better team here 
like yeah we can get into the small details like oh they could have stood here they could have looked there they could have done that but sure. man washington showed the fuck up and they were like a very strong team in this matchup they didn't look like they faulted at all uh mm. parish looked like they just they weren't on the same level they they were outclassed and i hate using that as an example but it's the same kind of thing where like if i cast a valiant game and i try and analyze a valiant game mm. i can go into detail but like yeah they could have played this they could have stood there or they could have done that but in the back of my mind i also think but if they did those things i still think they lose because they got outclassed by everyone else in apac and um and it, it pains me to speak that way about paris because i think paris have had some good moves but washington were on a rampage and they 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 had that playoff spot lined up like boom that's all we're going in we're going to get to playoffs and they were not going to be stopped so part of me unfortunately wants to move towards the well you didn't you didn't shoot the bad mans as good as washington shot the bad mans yeah i mean to 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 that point um there i think if you side by side as much as you know we're not uh gamers at e3 let's call them um i think you can put you know uh, uh the tracer performance in particular the the somber performance by either team in particular um and you put them side by side and it's it's different um decay is is different especially when you have a strong opening presence when you have somebody like mag who's finally you know given a blueprint on what should be actually happening and this you know proper support behind him um yeah. this team looks you know looks like they should have been all season um it's a shame that we haven't seen the same team and i think if we would have seen um a lot of the lessons that i think they came into this game with in particular um i don't think no no justice oh right um i i think justice really started from like brass tacks with this match in particular um uh this doesn't this didn't seem all that fancy this seemed like very Okay, here we go. We're going to play Lucio Moya. We're going to jump on Don. We're going to force him out. He seemed very much the target for uh, Justice's ire in a lot of these games. And uh, yeah, I, I would say that they came into this with, with a newfound, as flowery as this is going to sound, it does make a lot of sense, uh, a vigor in a way. Um, and I think that if they would have started with that or, or progressed from May, I think they started in May very, very similarly. Um, but for reasons I won't get into, um, I don't think they were all that great at rush. Um, and I think that really bit them in the ass. Um, Who? Justice. Even Justice coming in. Zeroed. And then they got walloped. That's true. Yes, could you want to gloat? <laughs> uh, no. I think, like, the oh. thing is... Uh, like, the... the the potential of their team is always there. I think there's, there's, there was one thing, and I think I pointed that out in um, during our last episode, that just seemed to be very logical for me that uh, Justice would get it on the road. And that is no longer succumbing to the idea of perfect Overwatch. So mm. I had a talk with Pre, and he said their big problem was when they had the good stages... And didn't then make it to uh, to Hawaii, and I think there was one series against who was it where they went three two. Uh, and it would have been uh, Florida in May. Yeah, and basically, like the idea is, like if they narrowly missed out, like in their minds, they were already plotting, like next time we're going to make it in NA, and then we want to win the tournament, so we gotta play comps that are good against 
um, the teams in the tournament, right? Mm. But then you're losing whatever you are and yeah. you can't get it together then, right? So um, as we saw, evidently, they went back to Lucio Mora. I'm not sure if that has legs, by the way. I actually very much disagree that it has. And it feels like we're, once again, in a playoff situation like last year where they, based on, on the back of the comp and opting into that cheesy comp, We'll get far. I think. I think that's that's once again the thing that where they top out eventually. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But and I don't know if they can't turn it around and go to another comp. But for now, that's what they chose to play, right? Yeah. And based on that, and just basically counting on Max Winston, Decay carrying Assassin on Sombra, like. That's just going to carry you, even if you don't have, aren't on the same page. And then you just need to have pretty safe supports uh, behind it. I mean, you're, you're, you're fine with close on Lucio. Always has been, always will be. Um, and you're probably more fine with Bebe on Moira than most other flex supports. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a sound decision, right? Fury's mm -hmm. never going to be the problem. Um, and... Let's be honest, the coordination needed for the composition, especially if you can't find these one-on-one -on -one traits based on uh, individual skill, uh, it's just going to win you games against teams that aren't elite. But uh, that's so? unfortunately also probably if they continue playing like this, where they top out. As w once they hit the Shanghai's, the Dallas, even the Atlantis, I think that's where they meet their match. And Chengdu's. I mean, is that necessarily a bad thing? No. I mean, if, if your goal is to win, obviously it is. But, you know, uh, as we alluded to earlier, I don't think winning necessarily is everything. Um, with the season they've been given or have chosen, depending on how you look at things, um, I think getting a, a deep run in and maybe dipping out loser's final is is a significant win for them for the season as sure. a whole. Oh, it's I great say that, like, there's enough of a gap. Like, I, I think if you if you just get onto the horse that will get you to playoffs first, um, and then and then okay, then work on what you need to work on to to find a better solution for playoffs. The take tackle your first problem first. Like, I I think you're putting the cart before the horse if you're worrying too much. About, like, how are we going to yeah, beat yeah. Shanghai? Mm. No, how about you focus on beating Paris and who you yes. still shout shock first. I do that. Like, don't worry about Shanghai. Yep. Get to Shanghai first before you worry about them. So I, mm. I don't mind the Lucio Moy for now. Even more I so agree that I think with two weeks now until playoffs, right? Like, maybe you could have argued differently if it was just next weekend, but we got more time now, right? Yeah. So I, I actually think it's a, it's a great idea to play something. I'm not going to say Lucio Moy is easy. I think it's an easier comp uh, skill ceiling wise to, to execute. Mm -hmm. And when you have good players, like I think you explained it quite well, you said when you have good players in certain positions, and I also mentioned that I think they outskilled Paris pretty hard. Mm. That was pretty evident in that game to me. Um, you're you're going to be able to walk over them in, in a way, even if you're not quite there just yet. Although I think Washington looked pretty sharp. Uh, the level of competition uh, coming through from Paris probably wasn't high enough to push them. So you never really saw Washington make mistakes, unforced errors, or uh, be punished for anything. So... Probably the Lucio Mori isn't going to be good long term. I don't think it will be. But that's also not something they have to worry about until they get there. And, and now that they've gone to playoffs, they can start worrying about that. Yeah. Um, would you guys agree with the statement that this matchup between Washington and Paris is maybe 
in some cases like the 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 some of the the most opposite teams meeting storyline wise where Paris are probably the most overperforming team mm. based on their expectations versus Justice as the most underperforming team based on expectations. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a nice way to wrap it up. Lens. To be yeah. fair, for me, it's Spark, the most underperforming team. Uh, not expectations necessarily, because I knew, like, I, I expected this team to implode. Right. But well, just NNA then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, then there's also Florida, I guess people wouldn't... I agree with you, but, um, yeah, generally speaking, they definitely... Like, by going to zero tournaments, I think that's, that qualifies already achieved, right? When that was I had a team, Florida really low. Uh, I I met I might have been off. They were probably better than I had them, but I'm not gonna pretend like some guy that like oh, I had Florida low and I was so correct. I know I, I probably had them lower than they should have been, especially in May when they showed up. But I don't know. Hmm. I I had I was big on Washington from day one. I think a lot of people based on the roster quality were totally. much bigger on Washington than they were in Florida. That should be a pretty general, generally true statement. Hmm. So based on that, with Florida actually having gone to a tournament, Washington not having gone there. Um, I in my eyes, yeah, it, it to me it does seem like kind of like the the highest overperforming team versus the highest um, underperforming team in a way, and then Washington kind of getting their just desserts by overcoming Paris, where you know, uh, and Joe, you'd you'd be a good example of this as well, where you know, it, it Washington are so so hard to have faith in Washington that it's easy to to want to back Paris in this matchup um, yeah. by default. So, yeah, but I think Washington really evolved. And, and now you talk about, like, okay, well, is this going to be good enough? Is this compos- composition good enough? Are they good enough as a team? I think they got tested by Houston. So, talking about that matchup as well, mm. that was a very long and difficult matchup. Oh, difficult's a good word. Difficult to watch. I think that was um, aggravating, to say the least. I think it was, I think it was, uh, I mean, Washington's Paris is one thing, but yeah. there's two parts here. One is that San Francisco Shock did not choose Washington for good reason. Mm. I think Shock looked at that and like, yeah, I think Washington's going to be a harder team compared to Toronto, and we'll get into Toronto later. Um, and you know, good for them. They picked Toronto, and then Houston were left with Washington. Um, I watched back that game recently, and uh, what are my thoughts on this? Realistically speaking, I'm not sure. How I feel about um, where Houston have ended this year in some ways, because this is a kind of a combined discussion of both Washington and Houston in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course. I don't know if I like Happy's Tracer that much. Oh, still. yes, my guy. I've always been a little bit critical of. Um, I I think Houston should have potentially opted for more. Maybe even far. Have they played much far this season? I can't remember. Um, I don't remember. Since so. Washington did go quite heavy, Ryan, I, I think Houston is a team that was so willing to play ball with Dreamer on the ball. And by the way, unfortunately, Jangu never getting a, a game. Yeah. Um, Houston never went full Chengdu, in where Chengdu gave you the full blueprint on how to beat these Lucio Brawl teams and these Lucio Moira Rush teams. Versus the best of both of those in some cases of the Dallas Field. Chengdu wrote the manual on it. And Houston just never read that manual. They just ignored it. They threw it out. And I'm like, 
yo, if you guys have a fire, bring that shit out. If you guys mm-hmm. have X or Y other things, Trace of Sombra, that could be good for you. Bring that shit out. Like, uh, I still like Dante. I still think Dante oh. has a great hero pool, is a big part of this team. Crimson had some really good moments here as well. Um, oh, here's the other weird thing as well. I, I wasn't Houston quite a team that was very well defined by their double shield, but we never got this kind of Pigma gameplay, you know? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Like there were there were so many I, I'm I'm so happy you brought this up. Um because this is this is verbatim, hopefully verbatim, um exactly kind of where I thought Houston was going to play Toronto. Um I had my brackets going differently, obviously uh Houston played justice. Um but for the same reasons Houston still struggled. They were pigeonholed into doing one thing specifically. Um, and it wasn't what I assumed that they were going to do. So it, it, it really felt worse if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I think you brought up some interesting points versus like the Chengdu blueprint. Um, I think they probably could have gotten away with something similar. And I genuinely think that it probably would have benefited them. Um, I do think they probably should have played some more double shield. If anything, uh, Sigma Ball probably would have been the best bet for them. I think you mentioned this last show as well, Avril. Um, this to me, um, funnily enough, referencing the, the, the Paris Justice match, um, this felt like perfect versus ease of execution. I think the Houston Outlaws identified this composition that they wanted to run as the de facto best, you know, S tier composition of the tier lists, but Justice found what worked life. for them. Yes. Are you talking about Bull Dive? Okay. Yes. I think I think that's what the Justice identified as their best composition at, you know, the nth degree. And and the Justice are coming in running very I use the word simple very loosely. Um a, a, a composition that is uh easy to execute, like you, you you mentioned. Um that was my big narrative takeaway from this match in particular. Um and, and yeah, it was uh, it wasn't the cleanest game, um, all things included. I thought Houston started a little slow, but uh, Justice, again, they, they have the composition that's difficult to make mistakes with. Um, I thought their engages were actually pretty poor, um, but yeah, I won't dive into the entire match just yet, but yeah. Yeah, I, I will once say one thing here. Bro... I can't, I can't re-talk about Plan B. It, I, oh my god, it tilts me off the planet. What do these people think how Overwatch coaching works? Like, are you going to sit there and just go, well, we have like, I don't know, X amount of hours to prepare for this. Mm-hmm. Don't actually know which team we're, we're getting. Not only can we not choose, but it could theoretically be three teams of those. Oh, yeah. We'd never seen Mario Lucio uh, before. Yes, we could, they could have like, improvised something between those two days. Mm-hmm. Do you think 24 hours are enough to come up with two entire strategies and do that on the fly? L- l- let me refresh your mem- memory. There are three instances in Overwatch where people ever on the fly successfully com- came up with a solution that beat uh, a good team uh, in the moment. There's like... Shanghai's one of them. Sh- Shanghai this season against 
Dallas Fuel. That's one of the only ones that realistically worked. I think there was something about, um, you could argue like Shanghai in season three, and then mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it was shock in in season two had, had a moment like this. Whatever it is, out of the bajillions of matches that we've played, three times this worked. It doesn't work. It's not a working strategy. It's the thing that you do at the very last moment where you think your your practice strategy just just think about it probabilistically right mm-hmm. you you practice a composition the rollouts the what you do yeah. the communication and whatnot right and then even if you're outmatched even if you're outcomped your your probability of winning is probably never going to drop below 30% i would say if you're a top sure. team right in in Houston's situation or you could make up some shit on the fly that you've never played and you theoretically think this works. What's your probability then? If you say th- higher than 30%, you don't fucking understand Overwatch, my dude. You're just not. You're just not. When do you use that strategy? Very easily. When you think your chances of beating someone with your established comp, when you had ample um, evidence that you're never going to beat the, the comp you're facing with whatever you're running, that's when you when 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 it drops below the probability of that, right? That equation mm. so very f- seldom makes sense. So, what are you going to do? Like, yes, you can argue that very often, like because of the idiosyncratic buildup of the team that Houston always fielded, being very limited to whatever you're doing. Yes, of course. Like, I'm not saying Houston didn't make mistakes, but what I'm saying is like it's not down to like. They can't spell plan B. <laughs> like, the alphabet is too hard. <laughs> Shut up, dude. You don't understand how Overwatch is coached very easily. I, I don't know what, what what is the definition of plan A and plan B. Like, are we talking about different compositions? Yes. Yeah, I think, I think. That's the other part the, I don't understand. Yeah. It's like, do they, are they, is the criticism that like, oh, Houston didn't run another composition, therefore they yeah. are plan A team. I'm like, yes. Yeah, okay. So is Dallas then. So is, yeah. so is Chengdu. The only reason you never criticize those teams is they're successful in their yeah. plan A's. Yes. Like yeah. Chengdu, Chengdu is one of, Chengdu and Dallas are two of the least flexible teams in the entire league. They've had enough success and no one criticizes criticizes them for plan A. Um like they they play the same shit all the time. I don't I don't to me though, and I'm glad you brought up Shock, because I think Shock is historically has been one of the most um adaptable teams ever. Yeah. I, to see Shock in a long series, especially if they're losing early on adapt and then come back and win oh my god it's good yep but it's not even like a compositional swap i don't think you look at it and you'd be like oh they did their plan b and they changed this composition they can still play the same composition but just adjust their game plan adjust their priority and their focuses and fix up some mistakes or like fix up areas of weakness uh and prevent their opponent's win conditions after identifying what's going wrong yes Mm -hmm. then they can then move into like what i deem is the real plan b which is like adjusting on the fly and put and and adjusting to your opponent's strategies uh to to counter that and that that to me is like that's how you play a quote-unquote plan b but i don't even know that's really like plan b so i i I, i'm a little confused by the whole plan a plan b talk because i don't know the definition of what people think plan a and plan b is and i think like once again it's almost the same discussion we had before like what you need in order to even make plan b work is dudes that click heads very well and likely better than the opponent I'm sorry, but Houston does not have better head clicker machines than 
Washington Justice. That's the very thing that the Washington Justice is known for. The individual skill of of that team, yeah. right? Like, it's like the machines. Like the okay, I I can give you the, I I give you the entire support line that uh, Houston is more skilled than uh, Justice mm. pound for pound, but every other position in that meta is n is not a go, dude. Like Decay is not going to be outmuscled by practically everyone. We're talking about Fury and Mac, my dudes. Like it's Dreamer, man. Like yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> rough. It's pretty rough if you go and individually. So pound close. For pound. I just think, like, my read on Houston's matchup versus Justice is that Houston, <laughs> the worst part of it. they they want to, they are very much trying to play a composition and trying to play what they think is going to be the winning meta mm. based on Apex success and Summer Showdown. And I agree with that. In the long term, this yeah. is the correct call from Junkbuck and Hasha. Because if you want to win the Overwatch League or hell, just come like top four and get a deep run of playoffs. Being a good ball team, team being a good dive team is how you get there. Here's the problems. It's not as simple as just playing. And this is where actually Atlanta are kind of correct and smart in a way. People are like, oh, Atlanta yeah. just give up and they don't want to play ball. I'm like, no, they, they've identified that there are certain issues with their team that prevent them from reaching that same peak of potential. It's not as simple as you go ball forehead and you suddenly win. Yeah. You, your ball is not going to be as good as St. Gaga, etc. Your ball and people say, "Oh, didn't Gaga feeds like shut the fuck up?" How about you watch the rest of the season instead of just looking at one game? Um, same as when people talk about Leave Summer, people that have never seen Leave before is like, "Oh, Leave Summer." It's like, how about you watch more games in one game? Um, anyway, beyond that, it's like. Oh, by the way, just real quick, this is the other thing about this about the Plan B crowd. Like, if Houston got three all bombed out and. Nothing worked for them. Fair enough. Bro, they are map 5. 1-1 one, one on uh, fucking control. Like, how much yeah. closer do you want it to be? No, more so, they were 2-1 up, heading into an escort, the ma uh, game modes that Washington was notoriously awful at, and they were the best at. That shit was won until it wasn't, and it wasn't because of strategical reasons. I don't understand. Dude, this is, this is narrative analysis that... Literally comes from last season, where Muma is basic, barely a functioning main tank, and they have to uh, practice around him. Like so, I don't understand. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is where I defend Washington. Sorry, this is where I defend Houston as well because Busan was the last map, and you know what? One of Ball's best maps is Sanctuary Busan, and that was the final control round of the final map. So there was no situation. This is this is where the Plan B crowd have to go away a little bit because again, depending on what your definition is, if your definition is. Houston should have played a different comp. I'm sorry, but unequivocally, the ball comp on that map is there. But the only thing yes. I think they should have done is actually change Piggy to Sigma because um, ball Sigma there on Sanctuary is very strong. But aside mm -hmm. from that, Houston played like what is basically the best comp possible on that particular map on that particular round. So there is no question that of them like oh they were they would they were stuck on Plan A and like no Plan A should have worked. This is the, this is the point I was going to get to. Um, when I was talking about Chengdu and why I was talking about players like Gaga and Leave is because you have guys like Gaga and Leave on the team who can play an incredible ball. What like the top tracer as well, one of if not the top tracer. You have you have guys that can execute on phenomenally on certain heroes that make that composition work. Trait tra this tracer ball dive seems good on paper, but something that people notoriously find it difficult to assess in this game 
I don't blame anyone for it because it is. I think Overwatch is a game that can be hard to assess. Uh, is and the one this is the fundamental area of Overwatch's design philosophy that causes this is that it's hard to it's, it's hard to judge and gauge how much better a certain player is than another better than another player in some ways. Before somebody says like, "Oh, I can tell MTD, MTD," I can I know I know what the difference is. You it's well, you do and you don't because when a team is crushing another team, you everyone looks like phenomenal. Well, like okay. When Justice crush uh, the Paris Eternal, maybe this isn't the best example. They look really good, but then they go up mm. against Houston and they look, they look, it's a much harder game. Uh, what I'm saying is, like, you have a situation where in this game, and a lot of people, and this is, this is, this is sorry, a long tangent for me, but it's like, this, this whole thing of like, oh, this looks like my plan game. This looks like, this looks like a low, low level game. Some people are trolling when they're saying that. The people who are not trolling when they're saying that, they're like saying it unironically. Uh, first of all, they're stupid, but also they're, stu- they're stupid and they say that because it's legitimately hard to tell when things that are done are, like, really hard to do. And on DPS, sometimes you can tell, like, oh, those sh- that shot was disgusting, that wouldn't make a shot, it was really hard to hit. Um, but good team play is hard to gauge. It's hard to gauge good team play because when you're, especially when you're rolling the other team, it looks like it doesn't even matter. It looks like they're just running at the other team and it's working. Uh, and when it's a close game, it's hard as well because it's like you're not too sure. It's just the game's a bit messy. Um, so basically, what I mean is like it's it's for a lot of people. I think they they think oh you just you should just copy APEC and play ball and it'll work. But what they don't realize is the players on those specific heroes in APEC. You look at Chengdu and Shanghai as the prime examples. They're so infinitely better on those heroes and so infinitely better as players. That they elevate their composition to an immortal status that yes. cannot be beaten. Yeah, because it's the highest skill level composition as well. Sorry, highest skill cap, skill ceiling composition as well. That type of composition is the best at realizing your individual players' potentials higher than any other composition possible. Yeah. So if you have guys who are like absolute freaks on certain heroes, guess what? They can play at that freakish level in this comp and be highlighted on that in a way that that could never happen in say like a brawl right mm-hmm. you are never going to have leave hard diffing in a game on a may i don't care how good your walls are i'm talking about mechanical gameplay not going to happen whereas if he plays a tracer and echo boom we're taught it's a whole different story we're tackling a different beast yeah um yep. and you, i just don't think i just don't think houston are, are good enough on this comp i don't think the practice stuff uh i don't think they're individually strong i think dreamers ball is not good enough uh, Piggy's Diva is not good enough. Um, Happy's Tracer or Comfy. I, I just don't think it's. It doesn't have that character. I never. You never look at Happy's Tracer and be like, man, this guy really is just like he is just forcing his team to win. He's hard clutching. You see what Kefster and Leave can do in Tracer. Never seen that shit from Happy before. And that's um, the frustrating anything, thing. Dante should be the one on Tracer if anything, yes. and they should make Happy play yeah. Sombra. But yep. yeah. But even then, like his flanking DPS have been awfully uh, basic. Uh, to put it lightly, um, the the aggravating thing with Happy is that there are picks that do see him kind of dominate the it's game man. and overwhelm, yeah. right? Like there there are some picks for this team that make a lot of sense, and I see other teams running composition that features a lot of the picks that we'll see, uh, you know, Justice succeed, and that's where, <laughs> in, in a very tangential way. Um, I, I, I do 
uh, and not appease, but align maybe is the right word with some of the plan a crowd. Um, I, I think from first principles, I'd probably disagree. Um, but I think we come to, uh, very similar conclusions. I'm, I'm not, I'm not one for eggs in a basket. Uh, I think I've been very, uh, consistent through my little esports stead that uh flexibility is definitely uh better than investing into goats when you're clearly not the best goats team um as as much as there are arguments for and against i think overwatch has proven that you know trying to find the best composition for yourself uh is is the eventual best outcome for your individual players which is um, why i respect and- justice playing what they're playing yeah, exactly. And that's why it's aggravating to watch Houston because it's very, to me at least, in my opinion, um, it, it was very clear that this is not the composition that Houston wants to play. I think this is what no, 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 they is. identified as the best. It is what they want to play. It is what they want to play, it's but it's not. Want. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, and, and that's what's mildly frustrating. This is one of those things where it's like, as a coach, you have to decide do you play the thing that is deemed like the best by the meta, or do you play yes. the thing that is best for your players and your team? Yes. And this and is that, where it, I don't. That's a difficult. Play. That's a hard decision. That, that's the that's the sometimes the impossible question to answer as a yes. coach. Um, something I've gone through in in a, in a much smaller way uh, in my very tiny stints as coaching. But it's like, yeah, you want to if you got a guy if you got a guy called Happy on your team, you should be trying to play more hit scan based compositions. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how well those would match up versus the Lucio Moira Rush of Justice, which I think is so fast and so quick at punishing sure. those that maybe happy would kind of get flattened by it and this is the, this is kind of where i maybe you know i'll throw a bone to houston as well maybe sigma for piggy maybe the pigma will get flattened by the lucio moria as well because i think sigma is very good at absorbing that pressure like i'm sorry but like holding up your hand for kinetic grasp is not going to stop you know sure. a coalescence and a winston in your fucking face yeah it just won't help you um and, and Dave is probably a little bit better because you can at least fly away you have a little bit more mobility um and you can do those things, and, and I also think like matchup wise, as Shanghai sh- did show, Ball is can is pretty good into that comp. They they mm-hmm. demolished Dallas with it, but then but then you know this is the part where people have to remember. But that was Shanghai, and they're they're elite yes. on every single player, and they're like top of the class. They're arguing from role. exceptions, um, but um, yeah. It, final thought on that basically, I I think Houston suffered from the NA Ball syndrome, where unfortunately it's just too hard to catch up, too late to catch up, and they don't have the ability to pilot this ball composition as well as the APAC teams do, and it showed. Um, final thought on this matchup would be, what do you guys think about the trash talk? What do you guys think about the... Um, uh, oh, I loved it. Some I it of was the, uh, what, what was the, what was the example? It was like... Um, Diva, Diva Remake does damage, Remake does damage by, by the way. way. Yeah, and then uh, K comes and hard fucks them straight after that. <laughs> um, going home, and then, oh yeah, and then and then Mag, when they, he, he wins, he stands up, hugs his team, comes back to his computer and says, Go home. I was like goodbye or something. And then he walks up again, like just <laughs> he just writes that closes in something yeah. as well, like go home or something like that. Um, Mag apparently has Mag apparently has all like like all chat turned off as well. Oh, which really? I respect. I think you know that's that's Smart good enough. for keeping your mental in, in check. Yeah. No, I thought it was any, any final thoughts on that or Washington because we spent a lot of time talking about Houston. Uh, we didn't talk about the Washington side of that match oh. very much, but. Uh... Well, I don't know if I'll ever get to them, but I thought closer. I thought, uh, funnily enough, Yiska, you know, talk about a close match. Uh, closer definitely didn't make this. Uh, he was trying his best to not make this a close match. Let's put it that way. Oh, you uh, don't like the closer gameplay? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. 
uh, beating into EMPs like it's 2018, uh, beating and rallying against the, what was it? Rally? Or there was the, the support ultimate usage uh, this game from Washington was, was woefully bad. Um, Can I say he did a good job of trying to connect on the dives as Lucio to add damage? Yeah. And that was something that he did very well versus Paris. Backtrack a little bit. Would agree. Like, there were a number of times where the damage that he added and the final blows that he got, like, mm. you know, really assisted by making sure that Lucio Mora rush was successful. 100%. In his defense. Yeah. Yep. Um, would agree. I thought Assassin had a wonderful game back. Oh, yeah, his Sombra. Was fantastic. I thought some of the most uh, methodical, uh, I could say surgical, but it's needlessly flowery. Um, I, I loved him hunting for for all the translocators. I've been trying to get um, for the longest time. I think Shax um, at the start of the season did something similar. Um, I think it might have been against Gladiators. It may have been Kevster. I can't remember who. Uh, but I'm I'm trying to find the 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 method for these Sombra players to do these things and. They, it, it's just a feeling or, oh, yeah, it was happenstance. It genuinely felt like Assassin was hunting down these translocators on purpose. And it not only did that result in like a faster or a an increased tempo gain uh, for, you know, Sombra translocating out, having to go all the way back to spawn or, you know, just dying, right? Like it caused a lot of disruption um, just for something as simple as just knowing where a, a player likes to put their translocators. It's it's super super interesting i thought he had a fantastic game um and it's no surprise to me that when this team has a strong engage tool and it doesn't have to be him uh he tends to shine uh this is this is a call back to their three two against uh the dallas fuel to make i think it was countdown was it not summer showdown hey, look yeah they're uh Sorry, yeah. who did a three two the justice three two uh, loss to Dallas Fuel to make summer show. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a big game for Assassin. This is this is an echo back towards that. Uh, I think he had a fantastic summer performance yeah. and rightfully won uh, By the way, player of the match. In in Happy and Dreamer's defense, it makes Happy and Dreamer's oh. gameplay worse, and Dante's 100%. gameplay worse. So the and and Crimson's gameplay. Funny how how many how many characters on this ball lineup suddenly you know get worse when a good summer's on the other team. Yeah. So yep. Assassin's actually a pretty big part. I think it was a deserved deserve player of the match mm -hmm. because um, he he made it hard for most of Houston to play the game. When a Sombra is hitting their mark and landing manual hacks perfectly, getting great EMPs, strength translocators. How many of Dreamer's pile drives got shut down because he just got hacked midair? You know stuff like that. Mm. Uh, Crimson heading his shields deleted by an EMP. All of that good stuff. Um, so, you know, it's not like Happy didn't have any good moments. I think people will listen to me like, oh, but, but what about that 2K Pulse Bomb on Dorado? I'm like, yeah. okay, bro, Leave does that every fight. Anyway, um, anyway, yeah, I think Happy is like, he's reasonable. He's just not elite enough to, to yes. get you he's up against the K, like for fuck's sake. Um, Who looked great. Credit to him. Looked like he, he came to play. Yep. Looked fantastic. This, I, again, I'd love to see this the entire season. I'd love to be very positive on Justice the entire season, like I expected myself to be. Uh, but that was not the team, and hopefully, they've uh, found what they needed to find coming into playoffs. Is, and it was almost good enough to beat Justice. Yes, guys. Yeah. Is end of season decay the new playoffs prophet? <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe. Certainly I... possible. Will continue holding my breath until I see the actual playoffs. I still don't know if Washington 
was good enough because I think Houston, Houston's bowl play was, excuse that uh, reference, is not sure. as stimulating is the word I chose to continue this as the APAC ball play. Um, so it was very deliberate in my wording choice to as is. Yeah, not enough. Uh, I should work in PR. They are also, <laughs> they're also quite deliberate in their wording. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not fully convinced. I think it's great that just this one, but it was so close versus an outlaws where I don't mm. think their ball dive is that strong, all things considered, uh, compared to like how good Shanghai's ball dive is like, whew. It's just a different level. It is we're talking about a different world here. Um, and Justice nearly lost that. To be fair, Justice's comp is traditionally not good versus Houston's comp. So I think Justice's comp really struggled. Like the, you have to do more, despite this being easy to pilot, you still have to do more on the Solution Mora to beat this ball comp than you would if you were just on most other compositions, either trying to match mm -hmm. them or um I don't know, playing a bunch of other potential things map dependent wise like there's some hit scan options that could be good map dependent um yeah. i don't have much else on this particular matchup we still have uh, an entire another two matches here in na and then apex side as well so uh moving on to the next side of things toronto boston toronto shock let's kind of just add those together a little bit mm. um we you might as well start with Toronto, Boston, in a way. Did anyone have any particular thoughts on this? This is quite disappointing the yeah. way Boston bombed out. I, I didn't, I wasn't mega surprised, only because I feel like, again, when we talked about this last week, Boston, I lost faith in them after Countdown Cup because I thought they could have gone 4 0, and even if they went 3 1, it'd be fine. But they ended up dropping as low as being the first team to lose to Vancouver as an 0-3, by the way. Um, I just I just started to falter. I was like, no way, man. Like Boston to me is starting to really come apart, whereas Toronto's end of countdown cup was they ended on a high. And to me, it was it probably should have been a no-brainer that Toronto were gonna come in stronger here. And they did. Yep. Yep. Talk about like outclassed. It, it, it sadly, it, it felt like Toronto uh really came out and uh were situated nicely from Countdown Cup. I, I again, I don't think that they had to do too much uh, or change a whole lot. Um, I thought Aspire looked fantastic. Um, I think Michelle had probably one of a one of a standout performance uh, from this year. It's definitely was a good, good, good series from him. Um, but yeah, Boston just uh, just did not show up in the slightest. Um, nothing really there at all i think i am 37 had a an interesting uh little defensive hold uh i think on king's row if memory serves uh that that point a look with him on hanzo was was interesting enough um but and then it just kind of fell apart mm -hmm. uh, i think he swapped to mccree and that was really all she wrote like uh dive has a strong there's no wonder why so many teams want to run it. There's no, you know, it's not a, you know, a weird circumstance that Houston is trying to force this dive. Um, it, it does have a lot of merit. Um, and, and Toronto were just the better team at uh, a composition that looks to be, you know, leading us into playoffs. Yep. I don't know. To be honest, like half of these matches in plans were pretty underwhelming. Uh, we got half of the matches were three O's. Um, 
And the thing is, it could have also, like, not on that day actually, but before that, it could have also been the other side, 3-0, depending on what kind of compositions they chose and how they played into each other, and then that's a 3-0. To be honest, like, both Toronto and Boston were pretty similar teams, just gatekeeper teams to, um, to like, the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, not really that exciting. I would even argue that had Mayhem gotten in there, they probably would have had more breakout potential here. Um, sure. I mean, yeah, it, it just felt like it was very unlikely that either of those teams would even rival the ever uh, the second round uh, team anyway even if toronto got uh, houston or whatever it is so yeah i don't know like it's a it's a strange situation uh in terms of um the season being done i will say it feels bad for boston because i know this is a team that works incredibly hard feels bad for toronto a team that or half the team being very much used to being, like, the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. I think if I wrote a script today, and I, like, basically I said as much as, if the meta had been a little bit more kind to them, um, and they were, like, some, some stuff had fallen a little differently, I think Toronto could have been a better team this season. Um, I think they got the parts, especially as, as, as Spire came in. Um, but yeah, I I don't know, like, it, it wasn't, it, it, like, more so than you saying, like, for instance, uh, Outlaws against, um, Ju- Justice being, like, pretty, pretty ugly Overwatch on the last two maps, mm-hmm. I mm. felt like this was an ugly series in the first place. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I think a lot of these, uh lower seed games even stretching into to apac uh it was rough it was definitely not uh, the best overwatch ever um but my only dis- my only i guess asterisk for the semifinals is you you have you know like you like to uh wave in my face houston a top five na team um struggling against a justice that seemed to struggle themselves so that's the to, only difference i would say to be fair like no none of these two teams weren't too far apart from each other in terms of season performance yeah. right like yep none make made the tournaments they were reasonably close in terms of season wins both of them had good stages and both of them were quality teams i don't know like um i think also i would say like the first three maps didn't look clown fiesta it's not like this was terrible Overwatch, but it, it between uh, sorry, Justice you mean and Justice Houston. Houston, oh. yeah. um, it wasn't a hor- horrendous, uh, but some very strange mistakes. I would say you will also find that by me already talking about Justice Houston again, you will realize how bored I was with Toronto Boston. Like, oh, I mean, Toronto Shock is is even worse. Yes. Like, talk about a team that just gets diffed. Like, a lot of these 3-0s yeah. were just like, Shock, better team. Okay, next. Like, I, yeah. I, I hate yeah. I, I hate with a passion no. that that's what, like, it might know. Here, I'll read you. I, I'll genuinely read you my notes from San Francisco, Toronto. Like, nice uh, saddle boop. Uh, uh, Toronto, nice surround. A nice f- solo flanks, but doesn't get support. Like... 
I, I liked here. Here's a good one. Uh, Twilight's set up Nade on Volskaya where he's sitting like in the so on defense setting up on. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the attacker in the, in the spawn house. throws the Nade in. That was cool. That was a great mm. play. Did you really even need to do that shock? No, you probably could have just diffed them anyways. Like, can I say? It's... Can I say that play can now never be done again? Because every no. single coach after Sucker saying that is like, I right, write that down in the notebook. Yeah. Every time you play against Twilight or any any Anna on Shock and Alvor Sky, they will check that room. Yeah. Um, it's just like, so was it Gaga? Why, why the fuck would you play that now? Like, save that for a, a more important game. Like, <laughs> you can never use that again now. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, those those little set plays are always interesting. But yeah, the, again, more interesting than ninety nine percent of that game. Like, I I think that Shock come into this 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 playoffs performance doing well. I th I, th I think they have a yeah. great shot at at making a deep run. Yeah. Do they make the three peat? That remains to be seen. Depends on a lot of a lot of yes, uh, yeah stuff. Has the Shock era returned? Hell no, dude. I be, like the the only oh, thing what? that would make they me believe that. Defiant. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I are they going to like put Shanghai on two on that seven U ping while playing on controllers or something? Do, do I not know something or no? Like <laughs> until until I I probably see and of course like of course something that could happen is the San Francisco Shock beating the Shanghai Dragons in round one. I very much disagree, but. Like, if that happens, and if it's a 3-0, I mean, be my guest. Yes, I will call it sure, the return yeah. of the era. Do you then. like San Francisco Sharks gambling? Do you think they... I, Hell no. One of those other, oh, you still don't like them. Even I don't like went, their odds. Uh, don't, stop talking about Shanghai Shock. You're, like, skipping topics yeah, yeah, yeah. here. Right. We're talking about that in two hours' time. Right. Don't worry about it. Right. Um, <sighs> right, <laughs> right now... Which Shock's defiant. Okay, maybe right. this is not mm. a good example of Shock, because, yeah, Joe's right. This is one of the clear team diff games yeah. that we see. And I hate that as an analysis, but like, it's true, dude. Yeah, they team yeah. diffed Toronto Defiant so hard. Also, can I say that Defiant, relying on Winston Nano compositions yeah. to win, oh, that is slow. not going to be good enough. It's not even just slow. First of all, you can't do much until you have the Nano. Second of all, Nano is an enabler to get your DPS into position so that with a, you have a 1,000 HP Winston diving in, causing chaos, and then your DPS is diving unimpeded, baiting your 1,000 HP tag. That's the real, like, execution of that composition, and you can only do that when you have Nano. Um, or I guess, you know, maybe a Primal. But to f I, I personally think Winston Nano compositions are just weak. I don't think they're good. I don't think they're very strong at all. I think they're very limited, uh, mm. and they're very one-note in what they can do. There's a lot of things they can't do, and what they can do is not good enough. It's like Nano Blades. Nano anything, I feel like, is a bait. Yeah. Because if you can't have general good neutral gameplay that doesn't rely on a Nano, yeah. why is this comp good? It's not good. This comp mm. is not good if you can't have good general neutral gameplay. You know what? Hero sucks in neutrals? Genji. Um, yes, I think Winston in other compositions is better in neutrals, but here he gets baited into doing nothing, and there's not much you can do. I feel like you just spend the whole time waiting for your Anna to make a play. Um, I I don't know. I didn't. I I wasn't pleased with Toronto. I, I I read Ho Chi Lee's uh twit longer by the way. He's the assistant coach. Yep. So part of the reason why they did what they did 
is they felt that this comp gave them the best success in scrims. People asked, why is Aspire not playing? You know, people, and this is, by the way, some real hardcore hindsight analysis. Oh, they should have run Aspire, then they would have won, right. or whatever. Um, and it's just like, well, no. Hopefully, explain that the reason why they didn't play Aspire is because Nice was their best Echo player. Yep. And Hisu performed the best on Tracer and scrims. And so they made the call to play Nice and Hisu. And if Aspire was going to play, he would bench Hisu to play probably similar heroes anyway. Um, and Defiant played what they had the most success in scrims. And that is, from a coaching perspective, I respect that. And I say, mm -hmm. well, you, you did the thing that gave you the highest percentage chance of winning. And I'll also add that even if Aspire played, I think Shock 3 0 them. It doesn't change the thing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think there are some similar... It's probably worth its own talking point, and it's... We're already booked on the docket as is, but, like, the okay. differences between, like, uh, the argument that we can give Toronto or the leniency we can give Toronto for saying, look, this is what we perform the best with in scrims, yada, 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 um, and comparing that to a hypothetical, like, statement from Houston saying very similar things. Um, I think there are some some clear differences in argument, but probably not worth getting it. So let's head into Fusion versus Spark Soul then. I had the pleasure of casting this series. Yes. Um, apologies to um, some of the fans who maybe wanted a bit more discussion on Shock of Boston Toronto. I just don't think there was that much there. I think Shock oh, were just clearly the best team. I don't. It doesn't matter who yeah. was going to make it through there. Shock will pick either the winner of Boston or Toronto and probably roll them three zero. Yes. Um, they they landed against the shark who look good right now. I have shark as a as a good dark horse moving into playoffs, mm -hmm. uh, but we'll talk about playoffs right after this. So fusion versus spark soul. Now fusion as a team, does anyone did anyone here not go for fusion? By the way, was it did Joe? You not go for fusion? Um, sure? yeah, I think I did go soul. You went soul. Yeah. Wait. Uh, Yuski, you went soul. Uh, are we talking about spark f uh, fusion or because that was the game beforehand, Just right? Just generally, who did you think was going to win? Who is getting out of APAC? I yeah. said Soul. See, so I, I wanted to. So, I, I, I wanted to I delay my L, L but uh, you guys forced me to yeah, say. No, I can't remember. Did I say Philly? I think I did. I think you. You. I think you did. You I were on the I fence did. for a little bit, and then you went Philly. Mm. I went Philly because I have very little faith in Soul, um, and no faith in Spark. So even less <laughs> for for good reason. Again. This, was, yeah. this is the eulogy for Spark where. Uh, they baited me in with a win on a waste. I'm like, oh, that was close. Like, yeah, maybe they can do some stuff here, but nope. Um, they literally got worse and worse. I legitimately said this on cast. I think we were on map three or map four, and mm. I said verbatim, Spark are getting worse every map. They look worse every map, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I think is a heavy-handed thing to say on the cast, but yeah. whatever, I'm based as fuck, and I ain't gonna tell a lie, <laughs> so I ain't holding back. Um, Dude, I, I hit more shots that game than Spark to tell you that. Um, um, so, yeah. Oh, dude, I'm 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 going back to my casting. Um, I don't I don't like the like, yeah. This team looked like they they were less and less on the same page. The more we got away from control, where control you can play chaotic mm -hmm. and you can sort of get away with like being scrappy. The, the as we got away from control, they. Their engaged timings, their decision making, burner. I hate to, you know, kick a dead horse here, a beat on a dead horse, but shit, dude. Like, 
the prime examples of this team not being on the right page is they'll lose two plays and then decide to grab anyway and then just yeah. lose after that. I'm like, what is going on? Why are they throwing shit into the wrong fight? And it's not just Bernard. Mika and Calder's the same thing. It's like Calder's Nano's Mika who then rallies and they just both lose. It's like, bro, you guys were going to lose this fight anyway. You're in a 4v6. Yeah. Um, and just some people will, will, you know, come back and say, but Avril, you like it when, when players and teams want to go for clutch plays. But I'm like, to an extent, there has to be like a good way for you to win that. I, I don't think there was a quote-unquote hashtag winnable moment here. Yeah. I think sometimes it's just straight up written on the wall, this is not winnable, you got to reset. There are times when it is hashtag winnable. First of all, you need big pop-off players. I think Shy could have been, but it was also a quiet game from Shy. Not that he didn't play any of his really good heroes. For example, he never played Ash. My guy made a name for himself on Ash is probably, I think, one-off if not the best Ash player, and he just never played it. Like, yeah. What? And maybe, look, in his defense, in Spark's defense, maybe in scrims, Ash sucks. Because no sure. one really played Ash. Uh, again, in yeah. his defense, no one really played it. So yeah. maybe it's just not a good hero in the meta. I'll give that to you if it's not. Yeah. But shit, man. Like, Shy, you better pop off on something else then, because it just didn't happen. The Shy, the shy magic never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my big takeaways, I'm not going to lie. I tapped out on Volskaya by the end of it. I was really frustrated with the double bubble nonsense. Uh, I didn't think Gusha had a great performance. Um, and yeah, it, it was very clear that as this game went on, um, it, it was it was getting more and more confusing. Uh, Spark looked confused. They didn't know exactly where to stand, what to do with their hands. Um, too many times I, I see understand. it. it just standing around how many like this was this was i think before i i started watching this game before the na games um whenever it were i the days are running together for me um and and just philly just getting to walk in for free every time getting to rotate for free gusha just getting like constantly bullied and just standing there and just kind of like not knowing what his team wants to do not knowing where he wants to be there was no leadership, it felt like, for this I think team. It was issues. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the first first, you know, culprit, hundred uh, percent. Like, I I have one quote stuck in my mind throughout the season where Dante, before the season, I had an interview with him mm -hmm. and he talked to Junkbuck, Junkbuck coming into the team and whatever. And he said there was one aspect that really resonated with him, having been in teams that generally weren't too amazing, but had their moments. And he said, average teams will have pop-off moments throughout a season, but they won't understand why. And this is what the Spark season was like. Mm -hmm. They had one 4-0 stage, I, th I believe it was 4-0. And then they yep. didn't get anything else together. To... Like, they got an 0-4 countdown cup. Yeah, and... I'm sorry, but from the outside, from the very least from the outside, the head coach position uh, problem and everything else, that seems like an organizationally made problem. You got all the mm -hmm. skill together. You got, dude, you made Architect look like an average player this season. That should never happen. Yep. Like, it, it, Gushred wasn't nowhere near what, what we know he's capable of. Mm -hmm. Bernard, like, is also not a bad off-tank, dude. That was one of the up-and-comers, for sure. I don't know. Like, then... I, I, they make Shy look average at the end. 
Yeah. Shai ended up looking average in the last in the last game versus Philly. He's like, what? Yeah. So I I don't know. Like I I don't even believe you necessarily. I mean, of course, like two words of watch two, whatever. But first and foremost, this was an organizational uh, mm. issue, not a team issue or a player issue. Like you got to have a head coach throughout the season. You can't fire uh, coaching staffs twice. Um, you got to believe in what those coaches tell you and buy into the system and see it through. You can't just rattle the cage. And let's be honest, like throughout the seasons, like management hasn't in the spark, hasn't communicated like that they are able to weather dramatic storms without causing waves. Uh, unlike other teams have, because we never heard anything from them, even though I'm sure they also had their internal woes. And, um, yeah, it's just unfortunate for such a skilled team to be going out like this. And honestly, once again, I would have much rather seen NYXL here. I don't think it, yes. it necessarily changes the outcome, even though they are a good matchup into Philly. But, like, it, it would have been a better series. Is this your most, is this your most disappointing team, Yuska? Yes. Yeah, just by the because like Florida, they tried and yes, they like they also don't have the ability to make really make changes because like the COVID situation, they don't have a big roster, they don't have uh, the the same depth generally speaking. Um, and then if one player that is instrumental in your lineup do doesn't feel it in that moment, you're just screwed. That's not true for Spark, right? Like you have a deep bench that should be able and like you don't actually have bad players on your team either even on the bench so i don't know dude like this this just feels more disappointing because theoretically speaking on paper preseason, and once again i that's why i had spark low a they were yeah. one of the bad teams in in preseason scrims you could kind of already see that and you already heard that there was some discord uh going on. I think I even predicted Pagion to be one of the first head coaches to be fired at the time. So, mm. all of this was entirely predictable. It shouldn't be, even from a Western perspective, right? So, I don't know. Like, just disappointment across the board. Yep. I think it, the, as the season kind of wraps up, um, any kind of justice hater, anybody who's sipping that, uh, the justice juice um has never the, watched spark <laughs> yeah, it, yeah like both teams come into the preseason with some stacked lineups obviously sparks a little bit deeper you could argue either way um on some 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 vacuum picks some some head-to-heads um but it, it I, I said this in the in the preseason like if this team fails it would be a monumental failure like yiska said at the organizational level you can't fuck this up it's impossible yeah it's it's foolproof yeah. And yet, here we are. Out in play-ins, seven and nine, looked lethargic and confusing and not sure what to do with their hands. Using ultimates, like you said, just on lost fights. So, it's... they are fifth place after Shanghai, Chengdu, Philly, Seoul, and then go Spark. Yep. Is, is that an organizational failure? Like, what would have... What what is the result you think Spark with this roster should have gotten this year? With the roster, 
Um, What's your expectation? You said you said it would be a monument. It would be like a failure for the team, right? So what I'm I'm trying to get I'm trying to right, gauge right. what your expectation for Spark was this year. I mean, it was definitely. Hmm. I think the separation between New York should have been a lot farther, and this is just from like feel perspective because i agree with yeska i would have much preferred to see late stage new york in the play-ins rather than spark all season um i think given philadelphia's performance and situation all season long um you compare and contrast that to spark um which is a little cherry picky but yeah i would say fighting philly a little bit closer would have been my uh preseason expectation for this team um so still lose to philly but just closer i i don't even know if lose um if things go as as they do um i think this roster should be able to compete and and maybe even significantly beat uh philadelphia that again play things out as they do what place um, like did they beat philly and then lose to soul then or like what in, in terms of season standings yeah i'd say I would probably move Spark up to a, a confident fourth. I would say fourth. So if they were yeah. one one position higher, uh, they would have hit your expectations. Which means they weren't that far off then. Uh, I mean, their match score begs to differ, but yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, one position know, higher in an eighteen. End of the season, they they finished fifth. Still, they were the best. Yeah, of the fifth race. at seven and nine, and then Philly is ten and six. I I, I found New York more more disappointing because I had New York quite high. This was based on Scrimbox. Yeah. So. Uh, and yeah. they, I don't know about they did not a lot during the regular season. At least Spark had sure. the four zero. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing. Yes, it it's a different thing. Like when, if you already know the setup is unlikely to work in the preseason, and that's why, like, I ranked them seventh. Like they even overperformed that expectation. But that's not necessarily the the baseline I'm arguing from. If I look mm. at that roster pound for pound that they have the ability to have 12 players, okay. that yep. there is no significant travel for them. I don't, to be fair, this is potentially totally unfair because I don't know the circumstances that might have come with COVID and whatnot. But mm -hmm. like barring that, I give you one more. I think they should be second in this, league, in this division based on the pound for pound comparison. I think they absolutely okay. pound for pound because of the depth of their roster should have been above the Hunters, should have been above the Dynasty, and given the issues that the Fusion have faced this season, should have been above the Fusion as well. I like that answer because I, I agree with the Chengdu comparison. I think Chengdu massively overperformed for good reason. And now my expectation for them has changed. And I think they're a top tier team and other people think so as well. Um, but like pound for pound preseason, I would have looked at the Spark and said, the results that Chengdu ended up getting, which is second, is where Spark should have been as well. Yep. Pound for pound on the roster. Um, and I, I think that the one of the final things I said on the cast was Architect ended season two on the Genji as a champion. He will now end season four on the Genji without making playoffs. Something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. Which, no. Um, you know, without patting myself on the back is like quite a powerful powerful eulogy for Spark and more specifically Architect, because I expected more from a player that was so damn good yeah. as a champion two seasons ago to be here. I'm like, damn, dude, that's yeah. rough. Yeah. Um, Philly though had a pretty easy game, but also uh, you know Ikio came back. He had an easy Sombra game because Bernal was on the Zarya the whole time. He's never getting mm -hmm. spy checked. There's no Sombra coming through. Well, there's very little Sombra coming through from Spark. 
Um, and uh, Ikiro got to have a, a pretty decent run through. Um, Carpe's Tracer was okay. I still don't think it's going to be good enough to match against the Lips and Leaves and even Fletter's Tracers of the World. Um, or even Sparkle's Tracer, which is starting to look really good. Mm. Um, Mono Hotbar, Mono Hotbar Alarm Fighting Astro was still definitely, I think, the strong points. Shockwave had some good moments on Ash, which was, which I quite enjoyed. And the other thing I enjoyed is that Philly wanted to actually look at a double hit scan and actually have an Ash in there. Whereas I think most other teams, for whatever reason, and I'm looking at Spark and looking at Shy, decided Ash was just not going to be the play. And it's almost ironic that Shockwave came in and won on the Ash, uh, even though it was for the one map. But then that extension, mm. the next game versus Soul, he did the same thing. And he beats Fitz. And Fitz eventually goes Widowmaker. Still not going to be good enough. Then Carpe has that, I think, the the game-winning moment. He climbs up the wall and Dorado B headshots Fitz with a clean Hanzo arrow. Hanzo, by the way, I think has been one of uh, Carpe's better heroes this this year. And definitely this this portion of the stage in playoffs currently. Uh, as well as Countdown Cup and Fusion, uh, I I actually think played better in the Soul game than they did in the Spark game. I think Fusion is a team that weirdly played at their opponent's level sometimes, where despite having clean game versus the Spark, um, I, I I think they had some very nice moments versus Soul. As we shift this conversation towards Soul fully as well, um, just talking about where Fusion are. Alarm is still solid as ever. Oh, um, easily a standout. This match yeah. for me was um, man just ugh. can't say his um, praises enough. You know, Hotbird's not just stuck on the Zarya the whole time. I think Zarya is a, again a trap, a noob bait. I'm glad Fusion weren't sitting in the Zarya trap because apparently Spark never got the memo. They put this burner on Zarya for way too long and way too often. A little bit ridiculous. Um, Fusion showed some mono Arisa looks. They showed some brawl looks I, ironically they actually lost in the brawl mirror versus spark which was no what not was it maybe it was versus soul they they lost one of the they lost one of the uh brawl mirrors no it was versus spark it was on university of oasis um and they also had ball looks fusion actually looked very capable to to change up some compositions and try some different stuff out i think their peaks are still a little concerning because i i look at this and i still don't I'm still not convinced this would be good enough to beat either Chengdu or Shanghai because having a close game against Seoul, unfortunately, on one hand, it's good, but to the uninitiated, get to the uninitiated, it sounds good, but my guy, Shanghai and Chengdu mop the floor with Seoul. Yeah, yeah it's... I'm not sure. Um, before I start ripping and tearing, um, I, I, like I said, I thought Alarm had a fantastic game. Um, I thought creative had some moments uh, where he, he really shined. I think his sleep on, I think one of the first rounds, Numbani was a uh, slog to get through. I don't know how you felt on cast, but that was long. Um, Which game? Numbani for uh, soul Philly. Yeah. They, uh, five, six. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, um, struggling to remember. So Chalkwave told me, they basically wanted to run this because they were pretty confident in um, in the Rissa comps, uh, okay. which is generally good on A, right? So mm -hmm. while it was the worst map, I think, for them this season or something close, uh, it, yeah. it's a strange pick for sure. Oh, no, I don't, it's, like, it's, it's less of a pick, but it. yeah, it, it was um, 
just just highlighting that I'm map for weirdly it. enough creative um just real long five six they barely I'm, cap first round anyways like i'm, I'm their attack. To, yeah oh yeah i'm starting to remember yeah. that yeah i remember yeah i, I remember i said like oh yeah collective sigh of relief from fusion fans they finally got past <laughs> a that's a reference to the valiant full hold um and yep. then that reference ended up working out for me because then philly had this great b and c push that was mega quick both times but, so yeah. that that's where i want to open up with soul because like they they don't look horrible on their point a defense but then for whatever reason i i literally just started reviewing this um you know a couple hours ago um fits i think it was on the first round i could be mistaking or, or blurring it with the second round uh defense but he just kind of like waffles in the back line like really far away not really doing much of anything and then ends the map emping like he builds like one emp if memory is serving and then he just emps as the map ends and just never really does anything for oh, yeah, yeah, the hooray emp the yeah hooray like EMP. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was so underwhelming and and that was like that was a nice like hooray he did he not die um i just I remember the map ending and then he emps and i'm like bro like I think it's where he have died you been and he, resp he respawns and he's like it's oh, possible fuck. yeah i'm pretty like, sure that's what it was it, it, it very well could have been just a, a horrendous just like um situation that you know caused him to be in that position but um that 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 run up until that was was very confusing um and i was very i was very frustrated weirdly enough with soul because they start a lot of their fights versus philly first time dude first time yeah first time yeah it's uh I, i'm new to this i'm new to this apac thing um i'm really frustrated with soul really <laughs> are you now okay what a hot take dude so soul walks up to a lot of these fights and and they it, control right like they open control literally first fight uh they slam and they kill philly's supports just instantaneously eliminates them 4v6 right and then they kind of just like chase after Philly and they just kind of slowly lose everybody. And that same kind of feeling goes into each and every one of these maps. And, and it just feels like they, their communication breaks down in the mid fight where they have this beautiful entry into the fight. They get a great and solid lead. And then it just kind of goes awry. Profits kind of like backing up when everybody's pushing forward after they get mono in a corner. Um, it created oh when um on hanamura b i think the first defense for philly uh when astro goes zen and goes to play coast soul comes in and they're like oh cool he's on coast like there's nowhere for him to run and they just speed on the point they hit the turn and they just like run on him and then creative is like in the enemy spawn just like shooting at somebody and just instantly gets picked um every fight it felt like they opened with like a great start and then just went to shit um and, and philly it was ironclad in most of it i think the only bad thing i could say about them was that i thought mono had some uh aggressive uh engages but outside of that i thought they uh I, they had all the right looks i checked out the moment you're talking about for the fitz emp hurrah thing uh and it's literally where like for whatever reason both fitz and profit playing Sombra echo respectively mm. we're caught on the c high ground uh in the little room the connected between b and c you know the one in the, the little balcony they were mm -hmm. both caught and they just both randomly died and fitz had no translocator or anything maybe he already used it maybe it was destroyed no idea um and they both died souls the rest of the four players got rolled and then fitz respawns and emps that's what it was yep. um 
but yeah, I think Soul just had Soul's game outside of Hanamura, where it was a what was it a full hold, right? They had the whole full hold on Hanamura, which is yep. pretty tight. Um, pretty uninspiring. Uh, Dorado ended up being a bit of a wash, where they just couldn't get any distance. Nambani was one of the more competitive maps, but Hanamura mm-hmm. was the one they actually won. Busan ended up being a bit of a wash as well. Um, trying to remember what the scoreline on Busan was as uh, I'm trying to remember if it was close or not, but my my memory is for whatever reason I'm fading. In um, terms of percent, I think downtown was fairly close. It was messy, all things considered. Um, and then they went to Brawl, and that was very decisive Philly's direction. Like they win that first fight. Um, I I think by right, Soul should have won that first fight, but again. Profit just kind of like takes a step back. Oh, Marbles. No, it was two hundred and fifteen. It was two hundred and fifteen. That's right. I remember this. So there's just these moments coming back. I don't know why. I think what it is is like I cast things and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I don't have to prep for these games because I cast them. <laughs> then I get here, I'm like, oh shit, I forgot about these games. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was two hundred and fifteen. So across the whole board, it was like seven percent and then an eight percent or something like that, or the other way around. Um, so it was not close. Eight percent then seven percent. So. They, I think, uh, Soul got like one good fight in there, and that was about it. And that was very quickly recapped. Um, what else did you have? You had a Hanamura where, um, I think the full hold hold <laughs> came on through because Soul were able to get this very clutch flight where Marvel lands a solo shadow to EQO. Um, and they just, you know, Fusion just Buffed failed to clean up the members after getting. Uh, the majority of the kills and Soul just came back in and kind of clutched it up and after that it was kind of all done Soul made a I remember saying this on Castle Soul made a very strange decision on their B attack to completely give up on their brawl composition to play I believe it was single shield not even double shield yeah. and I'm like yo this is one of like the hardest comps to try and engage with and you're not even playing double shield and Hotbur is on the double shield and you gave up like one of the best double shield counters which is a brawl I'm like what are they doing? And then they just lost four minutes of attack time and beat and just got nothing done. Yeah. Yep. It's a very weird. Yes, because the uh, Soul Warlock officially now. So he, um, he needs to be. Uh, uh, I don't know, know why I, he keeps trying to pin this on you, but he yeah, 100%. I, I, I have not critted Soul for the longest time. I had Philly. You can you should call me the Philly Warlock, if anything. No, the, the um, Warlock's power is to make others believe in soul way they you know no no i think i think that's just that that's more evidence that you are the soul yeah because you are somehow convincing yourself to believe in soul i'm not doing any of that you are doing that uh he's also trying to pin you with the with the the wizard's hat right like he's trying to project onto you like he's the phantom menace i convince you to to trade soul i don't even do that myself I come on every episode like, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in stuff. It happened. Like, I might just you don't understand. Everything <laughs> everything leads back to the preseason scrimbox, the solo warlock thing. It's all mm. like it it all is decided then. I mean someone had to write the season, right? So it had had to have been decided there. But uh I had Soul second before I realized how good Chengdu were. And I had Chengdu, I think, somewhere in my bottom three. Or maybe bottom four. I will I say, what I found very weird. Am I wrong? Wait. Yeah, I don't think we saw Gesture, right? Nope, nope, just Marvel. Which was, yeah, was bizarre. I expected to see Gesture. I never saw Sabiolby, I wonder why. Anyway, 
Uh, <laughs> weird, yes, no gesture. Yeah, like, uh, have we seen the last of Jesha? Probably, right? Ooh. Probably. Sadly. No, think, no, 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 no. Probably. This guy plays Roadhog. He's going to be fine in Overwatch 2. <laughs> yeah, the hero that nobody will ever play. Probably. Uh, hey, we don't know what kind of rework. Oh, hey, Roadhog is the best solo tank in the game. If there's one tank that's going to be a solo tank that's going to be good, surely it's Roadhog. Swaggy G's got, he's going to be fine, dude. He's, he's, he's all right. The return of Evermore. Don't forget, don't forget this guy beat Bren in a water 1v1. He's going to be just fine. Snizzle knows coming back. Here I mean, it, if it is, it's not going to be for Soul. Let's be honest. Like, I Puna? Nah. Are we getting into are we getting to the final talk of the day? Is this is this where you're transitioning? I mean, if you want to, I mean, it's a nice little yeah, nice little <laughs> talk. Well, you've done it, you've done it, and we are running out of time. So here we go, final talk of the day. Uh, Arnold has come through and has announced that they will be making what, what is the exact wording for this again? Um, aggressive, aggressive changes is that is that what it was? Yeah, aggressive changes to the roster in the off season. So you asked the. You asked a question, Yiska, about gesture. Yeah. Can I get your thoughts on like Soul's season first, or like Soul's performance here, the end of the season, before we get into what what we think this aggressive change is going to be? What what an it's such a diametrically opposed season to what it was last time, right? Like yeah. last time their regular season was ass, and then they brought it together for for the playoffs barely, and then made it to the final. Concocted spell, it's that. It's like, this is a monkey's paw, right? This is the yes. fucking monkey's paw. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is literally. Did they go three and one every stage? I make playoffs. <laughs> this is... Uh, I could not think of an example of a monkey's paw. Unbelievable. It's actually incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, they found their consistency in the regular season. I would argue also on the back of some teams fumbling when, when they played them, but... I mean, you can't be upset about your regular season if you go at 12 and 4, right? That's a great regular season. They made all knockouts, all four of them. Yeah. Are yeah. actually, in what? terms of the regular season, the second best team in APEC. Of course, Chengdu getting uh, the extra wins by being in the tournament finals twice, for instance. But yeah, I, like, it is sad, but at the same time, it, they played consistent Overwatch without peak potential very often. And mm -hmm. that's very unusual for a team that Seoul usually was. Um, and also probably not one where you want to be. Like, basically, if you, if you have a love child between this season and last season's squad or abilities of this squad, like, that's where you want to be, right? You want to have the pop-off potential and you want to be the regular season champion. By the way, Monkey Spore next season, not good at regular season, not good at tournaments. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. <laughs> what would you rather have? Would you rather have Soul's previous season or this one? Ooh. Yeah, this season. Yeah. Okay, do you understand they were they came second place in the, of the entire season last year, right? Yes. And you would still rather have this season? Yeah. Why? Because playoffs are stupid concepts Americans have uh, were created for themselves in order to oh, transport the value that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you get rich at one day in your life by going all in on some stupid <laughs> coin bullshit or something like yeah yeah i i, I value the consistency okay yep the nope. americans disagree with you so yeah 
I mean, fair. You didn't win when you when you didn't win when it counted, so the Americans disagree. Um, <laughs> Sadly, hey, if only if only regular season record dictates who the fucking champion. Oh, right? okay, where's that? Where's <laughs> it like that? Where is it like that again? Ah, yeah, in the in the cradle of whatever that thing over there now is, like that. that of course, I'm it's confused. upbringing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm it didn't make sense. It made Mother Europe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh right, right, right. Okay. But just it it doesn't like it, it's of course probably an upbringing thing. I also think it's a it's a much more mm, it's not a more true statement. I think generally speaking, most people get successful by being at the right place at the right time, being gigantically lucky. I just don't think that's a value you want to have in your sports and want to be uh, want to teach your children, for instance. I think you want to be consistently good and reward consistent uh, performances over a long period of time. And, I mean, you will still get lucky in some matches, right? Mm -hmm. You don't understand, and this is where Joe's going to agree with me, but here's what you don't understand, is that I can, I, can be, I can do whatever I want in life, but as long as on my deathbed I acknowledge my sins, God will still accept me. So I just all I got to do is win when it counts. Ah, I thought it was. It doesn't matter what I do in my life as long as I get born to a rich woman. If I or if I win in the playoffs of my life on my deathbed, it doesn't fucking matter, dude. I've got that W. Big W in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. I pulled this off track. I'm sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> Joe, how do you how do you feel about Soul season? <laughs> Soul, I mean, yeah, I agree with Yiska. Um, I'm I'm definitely one for like if you remove the nameplates, you remove the team name, no branding. Like, do I want a team that has a potential to win at the end of the year but barely makes playoffs, or a team that can consistently perform and has a better chance of making playoffs? I would definitely pick the latter. Um. When it comes to the aggressive rebuild, um, I'm very interested in that. Um, I think, if anything, I would blow up the entire roster and start over. Um, I think there are going to be so many new... Yeah, no. Profit, as much as I think he is the GOAT of Overwatch 1, and I will die on that hill, along with a a, a German fellow I know, um, who convinced me, to be fair. yeah, I, I think you just blow it up and you start fresh with fresh talent. Uh, Overwatch 2 is as much as other games can transition over and maybe other players can transition transition over. And I think Profit probably will have a... Uh, I think he is a safe bet. Um, I think I, I just want to start over with this team. Uh, I don't know... <sighs> this is getting into speculative territory, but um, I, I think that... There's a lot of resources to be expanded elsewhere. Let's say, um, yeah, I would, I would start what over. Is profit's contract status because I wouldn't be surprised if he enters free agency. Like Probably. if his contract's over, I think he could enter free agency and potentially go somewhere. Yep. Um, be nice. Who knows? I, I, if I was, if I was Soul, I would probably target profit and just go from there. People will be surprised at why I'm not including Fitz into that conversation. And that's only because maybe I would, but there's, there, there can still be other good head scan options. 
I, I just think Prof is a very unique player. And then people say like, oh, is Prophet washed? I don't think he is. I think he's still very good. I think he's still playing at a very high level. He's been one of the true veterans of this game that is still good even like four years later. Um, someone actually brought up a really fun fact as well that, and I, I wish I used this on the broadcast, but I wasn't aware of it at the time, <laughs> that this is the first playoffs that Prophet has missed out on since he was on GC Busan in 2017. That's not true. So, is it? Didn't they lose planes season two? Uh, let's take a look. Am I, I wrong? Season two. I'm, I'm so stupid. No, they qualify out. They beat uh, the upper bracket was Guangzhou Hunters, uh, Charge Advance. Ooh. Um, they reseed. London plays Shanghai in a very close series, and then London advances to the playoffs. Oh, they right. eventually okay. lose. No, you're right. Hard. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Reddit, for having yep. my back. Right out here. The one time. Um, that is a fun fact, though. I didn't yeah, realize that. So, yeah, yeah they, they did get through. So, um, and also, this might be the end of Gesture and Profit together as yes. a duo. And they've been a duo for... Since the start of GC Busan. Yeah, yeah. 2017, yeah. they've been a duo together. They've, they've since before Overwatch League, they played together on team. Yeah. Yep. So they finally managed to separate Profit and Gesture. Kind of wild. Uh, well, we're, we don't know yet, but yeah. We're, we're speculating here. We have zero clue what be, is going to actually happen across it. To be fair, Gesture is a highly skilled player. And it has always been sort of like speculated that one of the reasons he is so inconsistent, and once again, he had a great Roadhog last year, like he still mm -hmm. got qualities, but that like, it's really hard to motivate yourself over like that length of, of a season. By the way, this is my approach to like, hey, there's a lazy guy over here, get on my <laughs> podcast, but, um, and a new game might just revitalize or also play into the skill set that Jishib brings to the table, right? It's not necessarily that he's completely dead in terms of his playing career. I think he has a great, uh, certainly like uh, like first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, oh, easily. And yeah, I, it would be quite sad to see him go so unceremoniously because after all, not only did he pretty much pave the way for a lot how our dive currently to this day is being played mm. um i would even yeah yeah let's keep it at that but i mean he also first overwatch league uh, season winner um always super scary if you meet them in playoff scenarios and whatnot and yes a true duel in in terms of uh profit in him so i mean being being sort of like the Pippin to the to Jordan or whatever, sure, is not a bad place to be in in Overwatch history. Think about the Lord of the Rings reference there. I was like, I'll take that too. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that's just my German accent not being able to pronounce that name. Um, is it wrong to say that if Miro kind of started the torch for Winston and main tanks or aggressive main tanks, that gesture carries it or carried it? to the near end of Overwatch 1. I still think the three most influential Winston players in Overwatch history have been Miro, Gesture, and Gushui. And some people might Good add show. Fisher in there, but I'm not exactly sure about that. Manus to Sean, I guess. Uh, uh, Fate. Really? Uh, I, I think they're great players. Don't not get just me wrong. naming this them. Is, 
Yeah, just yeah. naming. Uh, I think those are names. fantastic, but they. I don't think they did this. I think they. I think the three that I named kind of defined. Yeah. Uh, like a very defined the hero in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray most recently for like Primal Blades. I think prior to Gushray, I'd never really seen a player that could consistently probably true get kills on a on a primal to the point where i'm like this guy's using a dragon blade on 1000 hp is kind yeah, of incredible yeah um whereas like that now is a mo- lot more common whereas like a lot of a lot of tanks were like mag and started doing that in contenders but to me grocery did it first mm-hmm. um and yeah so anyway it, 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 we talked for talked about spark already <laughs> so soul um Soul are also a type of team that like to pull up from their academy roster. And Soul, you know what's really messed up about what? The two things. One, I'm very appreciative that Soul run an academy because not many teams do. Yes. Uh, and they uh, are very active in scouting. So they not only do they run an academy team, but they're previously, excuse me, I don't know if they still do this, but previously their academy team also had academy teams. They have Gen G, yeah, they had. Gen A, Gen B, and Gen S, and they had Tiger yeah. Nation as well. Um, Actually, I think Tiger Nation consolidated a bunch of those Genji Academy teams uh-huh. into one. In any case, they had a lot. They had a very long scouting pipeline mm-hmm. all the way down to like ranked. They would like get people in from ranked, put them onto like Gen S, and mm-hmm. you would graduate through the different, you know, Genji Academy teams. Eventually, you'd play in Genji, and then maybe if you're like someone like Creative and Two, you you get onto the actual Soul Dynasty roster. That's how they got picked up, right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, so Soul have been very, very straight up with that the problem here is is that gen g have recently shat the bed they didn't even qualify into contenders korea mm. so oh, really? uh-huh. seoul had a great season but they've kind of fell short at the end gen g have just disappeared off the face of the earth they oh. gen g peaked at second place in gauntlet last year to team cc which had gaga uh and far away 1987 and deer and super rich and whatever yeah um and then after, and also Genji kind of got carried by two U last year and got that. That's I'm gonna, I'll be straight up with that. Stalker had a great game. Um, they can definitely still take somebody like Stalker up, who's ready. He's very yeah. good. Yeah. But um, Genji, this is to me not a simple situation where like, okay, you want to do an aggressive rebuild? Look at your yeah. academy team and look at your pieces. Yeah. Unfortunately, outside of Stalker, it doesn't look that great. Yeah. Because Genji as a team have not been performing well. Not to completely uh devolve into contender stock but uh, what are your opinions on bliss i've always been very fond of bliss 16 i mean yes of course but like just skill wise i like i thought he's been good but i think him and the rest of jinchi have fallen off massively okay uh first time i watched bliss was i have 19 contenders called that he was actually 14 um no. outside the context of i've watched that would be creepy but here <laughs> um i thought he was quite a good looser i thought he was quite a good looser yeah, yeah. fair enough yeah, it was just something a name that I I you know pinned years ago and I mean just they have guys, I think Top Dragon is fucking phenomenal, but he's sixteen as well. Mm. Um, mm. Top Dragon's a guy that skill wise I think they they could they could take a serious look at. He's he's actually quite a damn good player. Um, and he also speaks good English, and that's that's useful. You want that? Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I don't know. I I I don't have a lot of um a lot much more here. Uh, does anyone else have any opinions on Soul's aggressive rebuild other than the fact that I think we all agree that it should happen and it's been long overdue right no one disagrees with that I think it's it's just hard right like the good thing is like you're sitting basically at the pipeline of what will always be the uh, 
the best region in developing Overwatch talent yeah. unless something significantly changes about the scene, how it's built and whatnot, right? I think, if anything, Overwatch 2 will probably bring those uh, Pishibang numbers back up again. I think we're like in 6th sure. or 7th place at the moment. Certainly not like gigantic uh, as a game anymore in um, in Korea, but we're still getting really solid talent. Like, let's be honest, like, this is a proper waiting room in, in many ways. Mm. Um, That's my question. So, yeah? Do you, would you rather they look for new talent through the pipeline, the Pixie Bangs or whatever, or would you rather they look at other teams and free agents from other teams? Or maybe a combination? I think my answer would depend on when Overwatch 2, whatever that build is, is made available to the teams. Otherwise... I would try, also, what it also depends on is, are we going to regular play next year? What, what, is, what is travel going to look like? What is sure. COVID going to look like? Because if I can entice players to say, well, we're actually going to be the only team in Seoul, you can stay close to your family, that's a big selling point. Uh, mm. And that played in favor of a lot of teams, by the way, this season. Like, played in favor of NYXL, played in favor to a degree, I, I imagine, to Philly, even though I think those guys found it on pretty well late. But especially, like, signing up those mid-season signings, that's probably um, going to be an attractive aspect of your contract negotiations, being able to play in that market. Because we know Korean players like to stay home, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think rightly Seoul also feels that there's just no excuse for them to not be fighting for an Overwatch League victory every season, right? They they are never they were never uh, I'm not sure if that's true during the Lunatic oh. days, but I'm not sure if they ever like tossed out the full top dollar in the league, right? And they certainly haven't the last couple of seasons. So uh would I say that with the acquisition of profit and dresser? I'm not uh. sure. Maybe maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe they're top like, uh, I would, I would have to uh, look at my spreadsheet. Do you think they would run a Dallas? Do you think they would do a Dallas field and just throw the bag and acquire the fuck V team? Because mm. if you're gonna do that, my guy, oh. the, the the trade the trade war for proper is there. Get the in there, Arnold. I don't know. Like, do you want to throw a bag? <laughs> do, you, do you just want like the bed? Do you want the rookie of the year next year because he's available? He's gonna be available if. If I, don't things... even, I don't even care what Overwatch 2 looks like. This guy is going to be the best. So. <laughs> yes, pretty much, yeah. That's the beautiful part about it. But, like, if things solidify, I think it's a sound strategy to be the best team in Overwatch uh, 2 first season. I think, uh, like, it's... Like, the way esports generally work is, like, as games launch, they're probably expected to peak the highest in viewership and everything. Unless the, the game can be iterated upon, but that needs to be mm. proven first. So I think if you want to get the most exposures th through being the best team, then that's the, the next season. The problem is there's so much volatility in the system that it might make the investment pretty bad because you're tossing, I don't know, like maybe you're tossing whatever buyout, 500k to Decay, but who knows if Decay is holding up in Overwatch 2, right? Even though Decay is probably a bad uh, example. Probably a better one would be Flex Support, I would think. Um, I'm not sure if Flex Supports are holding up well. Um, really? So, 
we'll we'll see how it goes. Like for instance, a guy like Fielder, I think like someone that's very heel heavy. I'm not sure if that's going to sure, be valuable. Sure. Um, no. But yeah, like I I don't know. Like bottom line is, I think it was a decent season for Seoul. I I don't think that they necessarily like. Yes, they should have gotten to more tournaments. Could have maybe won one. But that's that's sort of the expected season for Seoul. And, but as a as a franchise, as the only franchise in South Korea, I think the expectations always have to be the to be one of the best teams in the world. Yep. Well, I think uh, we've reached the limit here, guys, and um, we've we've successfully debated in the audience into believing we would talk about the playoffs draft. <laughs> but then you know what? Guess what? There's a week of an, another episode next yeah. week where we're still into a break, and that would be the perfect week to dive heavily into the playoffs draft and where we think things are going to go from there. But um, uh, quick spark notes, because I think people would be a little bit upset if we didn't talk about it. Yes, Moon Moon full-on flopped his dick out in, in big shock because he doesn't care. He thinks he's <laughs> going to win regardless. Credit to he, him. Probably, he probably will. He might. Yeah. When you're the best team, it doesn't matter what you do. You are You don't care who you're playing. Because if he could have, he probably would have picked Dallas. And uh, that wouldn't even be a troll pick as well because Shanghai no. have a great matchup in the Dallas stylistically. Um, that's my but, shit, dude. Uh, that's we're my not shit. Here to, we're not here to dive into that. That's just like, if you want if you want the TLDR, Tune that's kind of what it is. About 20 people came to my stream last night to really. ask about it. Just one after the other, one after the other. <laughs> it happens. I get it. It's fine. Um and and as the night went on, my answers got more and more simple from like a really well detailed answer towards the end, be like moon, big dick, done. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, with that, episode one ninety one. Thank you so much for tuning into TCP once again. We'll be back next week to dive into more playoffs related things, actually for real. And maybe if there's more news regarding Overwatch two, Overwatch league, or anything else that uh, could be available. Oh yeah, get your get your uh, vault skins. Those are available until the end of Overwatch League, and you'll be able to farm a bunch of tokens during the Overwatch League playoffs to hopefully collect some. So uh, enjoy mm. that, and we'll see y'all next week. Peace out.